Welcome to another edition of Masks, Mats, and Mayhem. I am your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75, or you can email us at MMMShow75 at gmail.com. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Casey Nielsen, a.k.a. at Lucha Gringo on Twitter, and uh, not Byron. Not Byron. The ratings are going to go up this week. I know, and he just kind of left us holding the bag after he came out and just threw down the gauntlet last week. Yeah, now he's in a glass case up against my wall. He's He is traveling, and uh, I thought about having him call in, but you know I didn't want him to have to pay long-distance charges or, or deal with his crackly, shitty cell phone. So. Or ruin the show. So we got a big week. There's tons of stuff to talk about. I know last week me and Byron just kind of talked about all sorts of whatever, like from freaking Obama to every yeah. other wrestling promotion in the world. So thank you all of the Lucha Click and Lucha Underground fans who hung in there to the end to hear about Lucha Underground. But, <laughs> you know, I was a little excited about the Stipe thing, I'll admit. And then, yeah. you know, I'd like to get some of your thoughts a little later about that. There's a ton of stuff going on in MMA this week, too. So for MMA fans, be sure to stick around because there's Stipe talk and Connor talk and Floyd Mayweather has worked himself into our MMA conversation <laughs> yeah, um, and a couple of big events coming up. So definitely there's some some MMA to, to talk about today. And uh, also I want to talk a little WWE when we get a chance because there's a lot going on there too that I think a lot yeah. of you know about. So we'll, we'll throw a little bit of that in and you'll hear our thoughts on that. And I don't know what Casey thinks because me and him haven't talked about it yet. So this will be, it'll be news, news to both of us what the other <laughs> one thinks. And... Uh, we're definitely, I mean, we got a great episode of Lucha to talk about. And it yeah. starts off with one of our freaking favorites that I, I want to talk about right off the bat is Vampiro and Pentagon. Yes, Pentagon. Yes. We get some Pentagon right off the bat. And he is not rope bound or in a hover round, uh, rascal, whatever you want to call those fucking things this week. He has not fallen and can't oh. get up. He's, he's it looks like he's finally off life alert. Yeah. And I'm going to throw this question at you. Um, the mask, like, is this mask, like, it looks like the hot wax is poured on his head or something. What's up with this new mask, Casey? Well, it is it is showing a more violent side of Pentagon, but it is, uh, it, it's kind of his Peros Del Mal mask. It's incorporating their logo uh, with the slashes across his face. Uh, who knows though? Who knows what's under the mask? He might have had like half his face burn off at this point. We don't know. But I'm just happy that not only is he walking, he is ready to fuck up someone's shit. And he's starting off the show because every episode should be telling us what's going on with Pentagon. And if he's not there, everyone else should be asking, what's up with Pentagon? <laughs> well, they should definitely be worried. Like, Cat should be on notice if that fool's coming back, because it's not fair for him to show up unannounced, I don't just think. Just break your arm and fucking, it's on. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking the week I know Pentagon's coming back, I would, like, super tape up my arms, maybe <laughs> even just wear a cast, or maybe just phone in sick. Maybe yeah. I would just be like, uh, Dario, El Jefe, boss, uh... I'm going to bring you a nice, like, 20-year scotch next week, but I can't be there this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, um, give my coin to somebody else or something. It's okay. And Vampiro, holy shit, man. The, just, like, the look he has in these backstage vignettes right now is blowing my mind. Like, I wish he was wrestling like that with this look and this gimmick, like, all the time. Though. Yeah. I know, you know, that's probably not the case, but man, just like how fierce he looks right now and vicious, man. Like if that came to the ring all the time, I know we got that match at, at Ultima Lucha last year, but you think we'll ever, we'll ever get Vamp in, an, in the ring again with this like look? Who I hope so, because I know he wants to finish his career in Lucha Underground. 
And uh, his birthday is coming up next week. So I want to say happy birthday to Vampiro. Happy if you're birthday, listening. Vampiro. If you're friends with Vampiro, tell him we said happy birthday. It's Tuesday. I will always remember this because him and my mom have the same birthday. No, Vampiro is not my mom. <laughs> yeah. They just have sure. the same birthday. Sure. I don't know if I believe that. I, uh, Vampiro might be your mom. I could see that. <laughs> well, uh, that would see, make a lot that's of things much make love, sense to me. <laughs> that's how much I love Pentagon is that I would cheer him against my own mother then, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's strong. So, yeah, this segment, you know, Pentagon is saying, like, he has zero fear mm-hmm. for those who lose something in the translation. But uh, Vamp is still saying, like, he's still holding them back a little bit. He's basically saying, like, look, you might be ready to go back to the temple, but you're not quite ready for the monster yet. What the fuck does Vampiro mean there? Like, is there more training in store for for Pentagon? I think he's going to have to have something. But the question is, does Pentagon listen? Because he kind of punked Vampiro out a little bit at the end. Like, he's had enough of his shit. He's had enough of the well, barbed wire bats. You? I mean, yeah, they basically bats and hot wax and, yeah, and getting kicked around. And they kind of made it seem like the bat was going in his ass last week. I, I didn't get to comment on that. <laughs> It was a little weird, guys. I mean, it was kind of a Japanese bondage fetish thing going on there, huh? Well, all I know is I've seen a lot of, like, Onita matches with barbed wire bats involved. Never saw anyone tied up. Yeah. Little Makes it a little more weird. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, Vampiro Spanish is good and he understands Pentagon's safe word because it looked <laughs> like it was getting a little little gruesome in there yeah but this week hey you know they were just uh he's in kung fu fighting shape so that's good that's that's good but kung fu fighting is one step below lucha libre as we know we've seen those pentagon segments where he says lucha libre is the greatest martial art in the world i mean look to me this segment is like i don't know if it's enough but at the same time i i appreciate that pentagon has been off of matches tv wise to a certain extent, because it's been, I think, giving a lot of other people a chance to really shine mm-hmm. and and to kind of move up the card. Because, I mean, Pentagon is so over. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that he could do to truly heal himself at this point. Like, no, I, people I mean, cheered him going of, after Melissa, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, short of maybe coming in the audience and slapping a Pentagon mask off of Casey, even that would get a pop, though. I don't know. Like, yeah. I just don't know that he has gone, like, this true anti-hero status. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, I do appreciate the reasons they're putting him off TV. I just don't quite enjoy it because I go to the shows every taping with my Pentagon shirt on, <laughs> wanting to see Pentagon. This is true. And every time he's not there, I die a little inside. He cries a little bit. Yeah. He, he has to put on the mask to cover the tears sometimes. Actually, I don't I don't have a Pentagon mask. No. No. Oh, you have a mill mask, don't you? I, I do. But um, the Pentagon masks are way out of my price range. <laughs> yeah, which is why Byron has 400 and now lives in a refrigerator box. Yeah. Well, actually, now he's living in the glass case up against my wall. Dude. Oh, yeah. man. that And that was a creepy, awesome segment that we get to talk about today, too. Which yeah. Which is amazing. Dude, see, and this is why I love Lucha Underground, because we haven't even talked about the matches yet. I'm already hyped because of the damn vignettes. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, there's a few TV shows that I watch. I like Game of Thrones. I like Orphan Black. You know, I like I like these shows with these, you know, kind of fantasy elements, but these mm-hmm. great storylines and continuing yeah. shit. And Lucha Underground, I put right in the mix with those freaking shows. It is the Mr. Robot of professional wrestling. It is. Oh, I love Mr. Robot. That show's coming back soon, too. And these shows, but these shows, like, 
they're, they're doing the same thing with the vignettes. Like the, the vignettes alone bring me into Lucha Underground yeah. as kind of like a sci-fi fantasy yeah. action fan before we even get to the damn matches. And then the damn matches are fucking killing half of what, you know, everything else that's out there. Especially this week's main event. God damn. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's some fucking... Anyway, I, yeah. I don't need to rave about it too much. You guys know how I feel. And, and don't think I won't be more than willing to criticize when it's time to criticize. But this segment is not that time because the show started off and I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see Pentagon run out to the ring right then like... Fuck you, I'm not ready, Vampiro. I'm in there today. I'm there yeah. now. Fuck you, Gift of the Gods. I'm I'm the champion now. I do also like that they've been, um, you know, and people don't notice the little things, but think about it. All the Vampiro and Pentagon segments are either at the beginning of the show or the end of the show because mm-hmm. they're, they're keeping the world separated of what you see in the backstage vignettes compared to Vampiro being... The right. announcer. Because what would he do? Go become Vampiro and then run back? Right, which know, is awesome. Right. It's like a little time elapsed and then Vampiro mm-hmm. is back in the dungeon fucking with Pentagon. Or this yeah. is like, this happened a few days before Vampiro showed up for work or whatever. And I wonder if, you know, storyline-wise, at work he's taking his pills, but then as soon as he gets out of work, he's like, fuck the pills, and then he goes all psycho on on Pentagon. Like, I wonder where his meds are are really at these days. Right, because Stryker's probably the guy that holds him accountable and makes sure he takes Stryker them. Stryker probably, he shows up in the back, and he's like, Ian, take your shit, bro. We, mm-hmm. got, we got work to do. <laughs> I'm going to watch you. I'm going to watch you. Take your pills. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one day we'll get a Striker versus Vampiro match. Uh-huh. Is there a way to make that happen? As, as I would long as there's barbed wire bats involved, I'm, I'm happy. All right. <laughs> I, I love Matt Striker. You just... don't want to see Striker work a rest hold? There's no rest holds in barbed wire bat matches, sir. Come on. I mean, look. Except for grinding it on their forehead and going, ah! Look, you know. Striker was not exactly the most over guy back in his, his in-ring heyday. But at the same time, I will say that the dude's love for the business is above and beyond most of us out there. Like even the biggest marks, I think that Stryker is up there. And because of that, the dude has constantly just worked to make his place in this business. I mean, Mm -hmm. where he's at right now, he's kicking the shit out of every other announcer as a lead announcer to me. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's between him and Moro for me. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like Moro is great too, but I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the SmackDown product. Right. And I've always loved Moro, but you know, Moro of course has my heart because he's a big MMA fan also. Right. And I love his podcast with Boss. Oh my God. It's, it's Wunderbar. I mean, though I want to see Boss just kick him in the liver one time just so he can ask him how it feels to be kicked in the liver. Uh, (laughs) How to break a liver. Oh, Boss Rudin's my fucking hero. Um, man, and he, God, if Boz Rutten was 10 years younger, do you know how exciting MMA would have been? You know, you know how much I would be crying to have him in Lucha Underground? Oh, man. If he didn't have to just have neck fusion surgery, like, what, like two months ago or something? Dude, there's some MMA fighters, like, I, I hope Tom, Filthy Tom Lawler ends up in Lucha Underground one of these yes. days. Yes, he watches the show. He watches a lot of wrestling, and he knows, and he fucking he he'll work gimmicks and angles on wrestlers and stuff on on Twitter and stuff. If you're not following Filthy Tom on Twitter or his whereabouts, I would say the two the two best follows from MMA right now are Filthy Tom Lawler and Elias Theodoro, who is oh yeah 
he is fucking hilarious on Twitter. You should check him out if you're an MMA fan. And there's also like uh, Paige Van Zant, who is. Um... Well, yeah, and that's news I didn't even have in my MMA section. She came in second. Uh, she placed second place overall on Dancing with the Stars, which is pretty huge. That chick is a star now. Yeah, she's like she's like the one that's gonna be. I I think her push is gonna just go off the charts. I don't even know. And she's doing like movies and shit now, so we'll see. Like, oh, she's PBZ, gonna get though, Corona, Congrats man. on congrats on making it all the way to the end. I know that's some extra paychecks and uh shit i'm getting ahead to the mma news well it's yeah. it wasn't even on my list so now it's covered yeah uh, pvz congratulations so let's get back to the show um that segment is so brief and i wish it was longer but sadly uh that's all the pentagon you're gonna get this week <laughs> but that's okay because striker's phone is ringing and it's mm-hmm. a 423 area code Vamp yes. tells him to pick it up because it's time to get some fame, y'all. <laughs> four, two, three, get fame. Four, um, two, three, get fame. I, I love the introduction for Joey Ryan this week. It being called the transmitted disease of the temple. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> so Joey Ryan also, the, the his sleaziness and the gimmick and the fact that he's got like a double gimmick going on is fucking amazing to me. And that he wrestles like an asshole. Oh, the whole time. Yeah, and doing a tornado DDT on a little person? I mean, come on. It's amazing. <laughs> um, once again, our, our, our in-ring announcer, our hostess with the mostest, Melissa, gets interrupted by... Uh, she gets through her, her joeys in the ring already, but mm-hmm. Famous B comes out, and apparently... Uh, He's got it covered. Apparently, a business card is is worth some stick time because that's the only thing he offered in trade for Melissa. And I hate to break it to you, B, but I think Melissa's doing fine. I think she's famous enough. I don't know. I think that Famous B could make anyone more famous. Like, he could take, I don't know, like Drake, you know? He made him famous, actually. Not a lot of people knew it. He took this kid from Degrassi that got shot in the spine on an episode... (laughs) And he turned him into Drake. That's what he's going to do to Masquerita. <laughs> well, if he does it to Melissa, I, I don't want him to make Melissa more famous because I've heard that Lillian Garcia is leaving the WWE. And if all of a sudden Melissa shows up over there in her spot, I'm going to fucking choke the shit out of Famous B. I'm going to be salty. Don't make her that famous, B. Don't make her that famous that she leaves the temple because I have good seats in the temple and the view is lovely and I really don't need that to change. All I know is that if anything were to happen, I am an excellent ring announcer. Just saying. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear uh, it. I can't. I can't. No. It's, it, there's no match present. You guys have to hire me to get The following out. Lucha is scheduled for one fall. <laughs> oh, no. You got to do the, the Spanish one. You got to be like, Lucha Rana dos de tres caídas sin limite del tiempo. My Spanish is horrible, but that sounded <laughs> fucking good. Man, I'd like to see you do like a soccer match. Goal! Goal! Oh, no. I, I can't sit through one. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> well... I guess maybe you guys should keep Casey on the list if anything ever happens to Melissa. But nothing better happen to Melissa. You all listen to me now. Don't let her leave. I, I will have to call Famous B. Because and... she is she is damn famous and damn hot. So, um, oh, so this match, like, yeah, Joey Ryan, uh, Famous B comes out, gets his <laughs> his introduction in, and uh, from Little Hollywood. Yes, Little Hollywood. Those... I've been to Little Hollywood once. Yeah. There's houses in Burbank that used to be for little people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I drive by them You ever a lot. seen Midget in a Suitcase? Yes. It's a porn movie with uh, no, Bridget no. the Midget. I'm talking about, yeah. I'm no, talking. that's a porn movie? Oh, yeah. Midget in a Suitcase. 
Bridget the Midget gets thrown down oh. the steps of the uh, Hollywood subway. It's a comedy. Like, don't watch this for porn. It's it's the funny That's... stuff. Like, she's in a suitcase and she gets thrown down watching, the steps. Justin? Into... I thought it at was... the recording studio I used to work at, Bridget the Midget would show up. She was the one who told me that it was funny. I thought it was a comedic skit on like Saturday Night Live or something. I have seen midgets get thrown in suitcases and thrown down the stairs. Well, it's a movie though. It's a gag. I mean, she's not actually in the suitcase. No, I've seen it like actually happen like Wee Man and shit. Oh God, those guys are nuts. (laughs) No, surprisingly, she's probably the more normal of the two of those two. (laughs) Oh, Wee Man can kick himself in the head. That's awesome. I I did a thing with Wee Man once too. He was... uh... He was fun. He was a really entertaining guy. Anyway, I've I've gone off. Anyway, yeah. the Famous Bee business card. I want to talk about the power of the Famous Bee business card because not only does he use it to get some stick time from Melissa, he also uses it to get Marty Elias's attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what what is the worth of this this card? Is it like printed in Cillian Rail? Is it what what's the that's an American uh, psycho reference? I wish I fucking knew because I've never got one of those business cards. How'd you? Uh, J Man got one. Yeah, I know. You don't rate as high as the the heels. He's been on their show like eight times. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a personal connection. He is definitely helping them get over their their yeah. interview with him last week. Again, I said oh, it yeah. last week too. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to Last Real Heels interview. All three of their interviews with. Famous B because they are yeah. the stuff of legend. They they are really good. Um, this last one was pretty great. I did enjoy it. Yeah, uh, and I he's do. got great haircut advice too. Yeah, I I think that he does need to go for the Uncle Jesse hair. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, you were talking about some of the spots, like the value. I'm I'm like all about this business card thing. I'm my mind is blown <laughs> by how famous B. Without even throwing dollars around, he can just throw out his business card and fools are like, oh, it's a legitimate distraction. Like in, in wrestling back in the day, you used to have to like beat somebody in the audience up with a chair to get the ref's attention right. or, or try to make an illegal tag or something. B is just like, yeah, you want my business card, Marty? And yeah. Marty is a senior referee. Yeah, he's the, the boss of the referees and he's getting distracted that easily. The card is very shiny, though. He might have got some of the light in it and blinded Marty for a second. I mean, yeah. I've, I I mean, if I was Marty, I would have just traded him one of the guitar picks and been over like, here, give me your card, I'll give you a pick. I mean, he, those guitar picks put, are valuable too. He's going to put an eye out with one of those things. Yeah, if you guys haven't been to a taping, Marty Elias, uh, he likes to throw guitar picks out to the crowd like they're fucking shrieking ninja stars. Like, he just hurls the And I thought he was things. throwing us delicious candy, so I tried to eat one, and then I got really sick. Yeah, that's... Never eat things that strangers hand you in Boyle Heights. It hurt bro. coming out. <laughs> but Marty can whip those things all the way up to the top. Oh like, yeah, I've he's seen got him a good hit arm, machetes up at the top with those things, man. Yep. It's fucking dope. I love Marty Elias. He's the man. Yeah, um, he is totally. So, the match though, you were talking about the spots. We, we we should talk a little bit about this because Joey Ryan was was working kind of stiff on on Mascarita. I've never seen him work with a little person before. This could be the first time, it, other than like maybe in the Ultima Lucha Battle Royal or something. <laughs> Is there an etiquette to it that Joey just wasn't following here? I don't know. Um, beating the shit out of the little dude probably isn't part of that etiquette. But, I mean, if... See, I don't know. It, it's always funny to see Masquerita get beat up. And I always laugh really hard. Right. And everyone in the audience looks at me like I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> including you and Byron. Thanks for having my back. <laughs> And it's just hilarious. And I know Vampiro shares this sense of humor. And I have seen him tombstone K. Monito, and it was beautiful. 
And uh, so seeing Joey Ryan hit a tornado DDT on a little person by only jumping off the second rope was fucking amazing. And that was my favorite spot of the match. I'm glad it was the finish, and I'm glad that Stryker shit all over it on commentary. He didn't need to do that. <laughs> the exclamation on a very short sentence comment. Yes. Uh, yes. Which was funny. Well, dude, like, yeah, Stryker is on point. So, and I think Stryker <laughs> would agree with you. I think he gets a fucking... Like, he knows there's going to be a Masquerita versus a big guy match, and I think he just starts writing down one-liners immediately. And who else is Masquerita going to wrestle? There aren't any other little people, and he is zero wins now since... uh, Zero wins with Famous B. Yeah. But, but, do you think that more people don't know who he is? No, exactly, because where was he the rest of the season before B? Nowhere. Nowhere. Not on TV. He was coming out as, as Pimpy's sidekick for a while. It was like, yeah. now he's in the limelight. He's getting big singles matches. Wins and losses aren't everything, man. Conor McGregor has proved that in MMA. Like, <laughs> Conor McGregor is all the talk, and that yeah. he lost his last fucking fight. I mean, Chuck Liddell lost fights, and people talked about him like he was the greatest of all time. It's like, yeah. that could be Masquerita. Wins and losses aren't necessarily everything. Now, if you want a championship run, yeah. you got to build up some wins to get to the belt. Dude's but... got to get himself a coin or some shit. I mean, now that you can steal coins, and that's legally transferable. Well, now, here's the thing, though, and I... I I've heard a couple people talk about this. The thing is, how much do the other wrestlers know what Chavo's deal was with that, or or Cage's deal even with Dario? Because they didn't see the same. Because they didn't. Yeah, and and that's another thing I was kind of talking about earlier that I love about the Lucha Underground world is unlike in WWE where you can hear it being piped into the auditorium and obviously every wrestler is watching the backstage bits. Like, if you don't know what happened backstage, you're, dumb. you're an idiot. Yeah. But in Lucha Underground, that's just like real life outside cinema movie stuff that yeah. is not the is not anything anyone else knows about. Like, nobody knows Vampiro's torturing fucking Pentagon. Nobody knows that... Chavo is whining about Aztec mm-hmm. gold and then stealing it and Dario saying whoever puts it in gets it. Like he kind of mm-hmm. came out and, and with Cage and kind of let on a little bit, but I don't I don't think that he actually was saying like yeah, announcing to the locker room that you could steal medallions. All I know is the week that Chavo put that medallion in the belt and Cage ran out and was gonna beat the shit out of him, Chavo ran past me. One of the medallions fell off the belt, (laughs) tumbled right at my feet. Had I known that that medallion was legally transferable, in there, I I I legit could have grabbed that. But I thought security and Chavo would beat the living shit out of me if I did. Well, here's the thing: I think Dario would have totally let you get away with it because he loves violence. Like if you signed the waiver, he'd have probably put you in the ring and let you just get fucking gigged all in your head and just cut up and chopped to bits. I don't know who else was in that match. Like, uh, oh, geez. Like, I, I could probably get a, like, a couple hits in or something. Whatever, man. Tejano would have chopped you one time, and that would have been the end of your life. Uh, I would just give him money or something. <laughs> You'd have to. I'd be like, let's team up, bro. I think, I think the, honestly, the thing about Tejano is I think the bull rope whip is probably the softest move you get from him. <laughs> <laughs> I think getting whipped with the bull rope at the end. Because he's yeah. real good with it, and he does the thing where he overreaches, so the the whip's actually hitting behind you. Like, uh, some dudes you see do that gimmick, and they will just strap your ass. Hanson would just fucking knock but, people in the audience with it, too. It's I great. think, you know, Tejano likes his friends after the match more than he likes them during. So, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. he bullwhips people, that's the nice part. Like, yeah. his chops, 
and the fucking the lariats and the oh my god, that dude's stiff as fuck. It's part of the combat sport aspect of Lucha Libre, sir. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> a fucking shoot, man. He's a fucking tough dude. Is this where we went to the office getting uh, ransacked? Is that the next segment? Well, yeah. So basically, uh, Joey Ryan goes over on Masquerita. That was a really fun kickoff to the show. I thought mm-hmm. I was I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Not necessarily the huge storyline maker, but I guess the storyline coming out of that is uh, Masquerade is what, 0 for 3 with Famous B? Yeah. And does that really even matter? We shall see. I think that gimmick's going to keep going for a while. I think uh, Famous B on TV is fucking money. His uh, his segments, his, his mic skills and everything, it's like, I hate to say it, but it's almost good to not see B wrestling and to see him in this uh, manager role. It All works. It fits him. Dude. All I know is he went for a little person for his first client. I've been calling 423-GET-FAME. I've left all of these messages. If he goes back and plays his voicemail, I'm probably the first person to ever call Famous B. I'm uh, like, it might have been me. I don't know. We'll I'm see. like six foot four. Uh, it worked. They said I was six foot five. Okay. I'm a monster of a man. I would make an excellent client. I think I might have won maybe one of those matches. I don't know. I think I can sneak in a dick kick when the ref's not looking and pin somebody. <laughs> but I think he's working his way up, literally. Maybe. So at 6'5", you might have to wait a little while. I guess I would, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Next it'll be like Aerostar or something. And then, uh, then you know, someone like normal height. Right. And, you know, wait, just... Aerostar's not normal height? I don't consider him normal height. Well, so that's that's who uh, Masquerita should be working against then. That is who him or Ray. That should be <laughs> that should be Masquerita's target. But you're not going to beat Ray Mysterio or Aerostar. Yeah, but see, Ray is right larger now. than life with his persona. That gives him like almost a whole foot. And Aerostar is larger than life with his fucking dives. Yeah. And you can't really have Masquerita catch those. But it would be hilarious to see him try. True. True. Which is why uh, I think it's interesting to see Masquerita in this one-on-one kind of light because a lot of times he's working four ways and stuff like that because his spots work better when there's more people around. But it's kind of cool that he's been getting, you know, and this match certainly lasted longer than Cage. Um, Yeah. So, all right, Masquerita, balls in your court, man. You got Famous B booking you good matches, so see what you can do, brother. Yeah, let's get a win, Um, The next promo was the Perfect Woman promo. Oh, that's what when was you next. look in the mirror. What do you see? And I'm just like, I, I can't even say on this podcast that's marked explicit what I see. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we know Justin's a big fan of Taya. Taya got a lot of segments this week and zero matches, by the way. Which I'm really conflicted about that, too, because her match when she came in with Cage, and you've heard me say this before, mm. I, I just thought was amazing amazing that like, match was fucked up man and there's a lot of people <laughs> that i that i've seen work with cage that can't put on a match like that like mm-hmm. there's a certain way you have to work with a big guy even one as limber as cage and yeah. she did it yeah. like she did it like i would expect morrison to do it or so or sorry mundo i keep calling him morrison like right. i would expect somebody else to do but she got in there and fucking put on a clinic with cage and Which someone else may not have done this we've week, kind of that. seen her fading more and more into a valet role. But this segment, like, look, if you're going to be a valet, this is the fucking segment to have right here. Like, what valets get segments like this? And she got to she got to beat up the mass dudes that ruin everything? 
Yeah, I, I like. I want one of those generic masks. Uh, I don't. You know, it's funny though because they're always attacking us whenever we're walking around Boyle Heights. You know, we go to the taco truck, they're fighting us. We try to buy some ice cream, they're fighting us. They're like the putties in Power Rangers. They just pop up every now and then, and you have to kick their ass in some random canyon or field. But then it's like, where do they go once we kick their ass? We can't take their masks off. They they, maybe go, they're getting bloop, yeah, bloop, and then poosh. just like Rita Repulsa's calling them back. I don't know. I think so. But I, I dug the whole segment and, uh, you know, Johnny at the end coming out with, I see the perfect women. Oh, and him raising his arm, arm. as they drove off was so hilarious. fucking great. Ugh. Fucking hilarious. Um, it, the whole thing was great. And the dress was straight fire. The the whole thing was... Yeah, it's... I think the whole thing was written for me. Unfortunately, we couldn't see the dress that Johnny Mundo was wearing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Hollywood. We can call him Johnny Puto on this podcast. We can. Johnny Puto. Johnny Puto. Actually, guys, don't do that. Don't do that. No. No, DJ's going to kill us for... (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that was a great segment. I mean, it was quick. It was brief. Um, And I think it plays into the whole storyline. We'll kind of talk about that more. But in one episode... You know, Lucha Underground was able to show the progression and kind of the official formation of this alliance. And yeah. we'll kind of get into that in a second. But this was the beginning of that. And like again, like I said, I think the stuff that Lucha Underground does with its writing, even its backstage segments, I think in another wrestling promotion, what you would have gotten is one promo to kind of get somebody over and then maybe it plays into one match. But this kind of tied into... Mm three or four things and is just kind of building this overall overarching story without even yeah. taking up too much time. I mean, how Which long we was see that like promo? Three more, two more chapters of tonight. Tonight. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And it's, and this is the weird thing about being in the temple too, because in the temple you see the last part of what happens in the ring and you're like, Whoa, how'd they get there? And right. you know, you got some cool shit that you're going to see and they're going to explain it. They don't just do these things randomly with no explanation. Mm-hmm. You actually do get an explanation. So, um, the crazy thing about this segment is you go right from this Taya is fire thing, you know, where she's looking all hot and it's, boy, it's hard to fucking make her a heel after a segment like that. But, um, you go right into Cuerno and Mill. Oh yeah. This is my favorite part of the whole episode. It was so great, dude. I mean, like if you haven't seen the episode, Mil Muertes is in a glass box as a trophy to King Cuerno. He is oh. not moving, he's not breathing, and even in that long reverse shot or whatever, Mill does not move, dude. No. He is dead for real. And what's <laughs> awesome is that he like stitched the mask together with like some leather cord too. Yeah. So he's done some taxidermy work on Mil Muertes probably. Yeah. He I could th- be stuffed right now. I compared it to like the, the Norman Bates fascination with taxidermy. Like mm-hmm. it's totally creepy and it's working its way from dead animals into people. This is a guy that was a fucking, the the Lucha Underground champion, and now he's in a glass case on someone's wall. That's why this show is awesome. Yeah, I mean, this was was the unbeatable monster of Lucha Underground for a while, for the first half of season two and season one. And Mm -hmm. this this was the monster before Matanza came in. And, you know, for for an undead guy, he looks pretty damn dead to me right now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I would have put in, I would have put him in a thicker case just in case. But 
you never know because where the fuck's Katrina and she had the rock when she disappeared so yeah which was which was again and I said this that week was like why would you be so stupid as to throw the rock her source of power into the coffin with her or even before she got in there like Mm -hmm. fuck now Mm -hmm. what is Katrina doing I imagine that when that whole thing happened, she went to like old ugly self and she needs to regenerate and get back to, to hot Katrina before she shows up again. Dude, it would be awesome if they went all out with some old age makeup and like did some really freaky shit like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Like you just get a backstage segment where she's, she's, like, ah! she's in her <laughs> natural form or whatever without yeah. her rock powers. That'd be kind of crazy. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, this segment, like Cuerno just lays it down like, you know, you you might have been the the king of Lucha Underground, but you were the king in my jungle, and I'm the king of that whole jungle kind of thing. It's just like, damn, he is King Cuerno. Remember that. So the hunter, uh, the hunter strikes, and I, it's interesting to see where this goes because they're not really working anyone else into this angle. So I feel like you know this is just a Cuerno mill angle and that's just what it's going to be maybe katrina sends sinestro to get him back i think the good news for you about this is it looks like cuerno has pulled mill out of the title picture which could give your boy pentagon a shot hey all i know is you don't fucking break pentagon's back without getting shit back your way so watch out mentanza we'll see like you know i i will say that my personal hope is that this is leading to the big, you know, match with Pentagon and Matanza where Pentagon can finally wear the Lucha Underground strap because it's been in the works for a long, long time. And I think Pentagon's just got to get the title at some point. I would have given him the title already. I bet you would have. <laughs> you would have given him the title on like the second day of Lucha Underground. No, I know. That's kind of my problem is, you know, I come from a writing background, but I'm also a huge Pentagon mark and that makes people take me a little less seriously. But I also think that Pentagon is their most popular guy, but sometimes it is about the journey. I understand that. Well, but the know? other thing is too, he's he's working a AAA gimmick, you know, to be inside about it. He's working a AAA gimmick. He's a AAA wrestler. And, and these other guys aren't. I mean, Puma is a creation of lucha underground it's a Mm -hmm. lucha character it's not going to be seen anywhere outside of lucha um you know and matanza as well yeah and these are the the long reigning champions i mean you had phoenix for a hot second mill lucha underground character that's lucha underground character yeah you'll see him other places but Mm -hmm. not as mil muertes so and phoenix is really the only one right who working his outside gimmick that has has worn the strap right not only has he worn the strap but tonight he's got the opportunity to be the first triple crown winner in lucha underground because he's been oh, gift, he's of, the gift of the champion, gods champion too. World champion if he wins the six-man titles this episode he's a triple crown champion well before puma that's true so let's get to um yeah so basically where the fuck is katrina is that's what i came out of that segment yeah. with where the fuck is katrina this obviously this feels like if Mill can come back, it's going to lead to a Cuerno Mill feud, which will keep Mill out of the title picture, which I think is great because it's the only way you could do it to me. Yeah. Otherwise, he's just going to have to keep fighting Matanza over and over again. And we've seen that match twice now. 
And I have to say, not that I don't want to see it a third time. It's just you got to give it, you got to put it on the shelf for a little bit before it's hot again. Yeah, and I admire the the show's uh, restraint because I would have had Cuerno's stuff, um, Mil Muertes, like one of those bears that you give him in the pose, like he's all angry (laughs) and getting ready to jump at you. That's what I personally would have had him do. There's always next week. That shit might still happen. The glass case is classy. I liked it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was classy and creepy. I love that whole segment. so God, and here we go. So now we've had we've had like four vignettes already, and we're still not even to our second match. Our su- second match is the Mex Warrior Chavo Guerrero Junior, mm-hmm. Gift of the Gods champion, and Cage for a belt that that means something. Mm-hmm. It you means get a title something. Shot. And and it's interesting too because this is a belt that. It's not meant to be paraded around for a long time. This is like a combination of the Intercontinental title and Money in the Bank, almost to me. Yeah. In in WWE, like it means something. It's super important. It gets defended, but at the same time, that motherfucker gets used. It doesn't sit around, like, which yeah. is great. Like, and then you got to win it again. Like, yeah, as soon as it gotta... gets put into play, like it's fucking on. Yeah, Those... which means that Cage cashed it in. We're gonna have another Gift of the Gods match with the coins. Yeah, so. which is awesome. So, I mean, that, that's the thing, too, that I like about the kind of the setup with the Gift of the Gods championship is that it it comes into play and it gets used because in Dario's temple, too, like, I think fools know, man, if I hold on to this thing too long, Dario's going to come up with something just yeah. to get more violence out of it anyway. And oh. it's not going to stay around my waist for very long. So I kind of wait until Matanza doesn't have the belt personally. Well, and that's, I want to get to that too. So let's talk about the match a little bit first. Um, the, the first thing that I was just like, damn, was the sit out Alabama slam. That was cool. I was just <laughs> like, oh, there's a spot. Damn. And he got a holy shit chant off of his suplex too, which was. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's. Look, I. I have not always been the biggest Chavo fan, um, at least not in recent times, because some of the stuff that he did in season one and, and mm. kind of his gimmick in season one, where he was the he was playing up the whiny aspect of the Chavo character too much to me, and it when was he fucked over Pentagon and never got his comeuppance. Yeah, and it was it, it felt like bad heel heat to me. Mm-hmm. But this Chavo that's stealing the medals and stuff, and then his work in this actual match, like I don't think that you will ever see as perfect a classic drop kick as what Chavo did in that mm. match. Like he made a move that is 50 years old look credible again to me. I'm going to say this and it, this is very high praise. It was better than hardcore Holly's drop kicks. Yeah. And his are the shit. And that's, I'm, and I yeah. agree. And I was surprised by it. I saw that drop kick and I think Stryker referenced it sl- slightly, but like this is something that if you were there live, you probably wouldn't have popped for unless you had the exact right angle. Mm-hmm. But the camera angle was perfect. Yeah. Chavo, this is a dude who blew his quad last season. I know. And he got <laughs> all the way up on Cage. And Cage isn't all that tall, but still, like he got up at a 90 degree angle, yeah. planted it perfectly, pushed him off, and it was just like the picture perfect drop kick. And this is the yeah. most I have ever talked about a drop kick in it my life. It was entire like the Mr. Life. Perfect drop kick in WrestleFest. Oh, if you guys God. ever played that? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> um so yeah, I'm I just I'm throwing out kudos to Chavo. Like, yeah, look, man. I'll be the first one to criticize him when I don't like his matches. So I also got to be the first one to praise him when I do like what he does. And uh, I I personally think Cage is sometimes really awesome to see in the ring. I like him better in in four way matches too, where he's working with like high flying luchadors. I, yeah. I really like those matches. 
So Cage in the one-on-one matches, other than the tile one, mm-hmm. hasn't always been my favorite thing. He is a big man. I mean, at the same, you know, yeah. in, you got to know that when you are a big dude like that with those kind of muscles, the work rate, sustaining a high work rate through a whole match is mm. not easy. No, and, you know, he's usually not my favorite person in the matches he was in, but this week he was. Uh, I do like Chavo, though. Like, yeah. I really like Chavo. I respect his family, all of his family, even the Guerreros that a lot of people haven't heard about. <laughs> They're great. And, uh, yeah, this this was cool, man. He was playing classic chicken shit heel, and he got the chicken shit chant again. And uh, you got to love the chicken shit chant. It I'm, works. And this is this yeah. is where I like Chavo. I like to see him stay kind of in this light, finding mm-hmm. ways to scheme or whatever, not just complaining and throwing empty threats or running from Mexico or whatever that mm-hmm. gimmick was. Like this, this I like. One-on-one interaction with other wrestlers, healing them out with shady tactics, and then getting in the fucking ring and performing, doing, no. trying to pull off the Three Amigos, which got shut down, yeah. busting out Eddie's frog splash, and that looked pretty damn good too. Yeah. Though, I will still say Eddie's was better. Um, but I still I like Chavo getting up, and he's not a youngster, man. I mean, Chavo's getting up. That's an old man climbing those ropes to do that fucking splash, and that yeah. is not an easy move. That's tough on the knees and the elbows, and it, it, it can be brutal move. Yeah, remember when Eddie busted his arm doing it? Oh yeah, yeah. well, dude, that was like halfway across the fucking ring, and we're talking about the big WWE ring. Yeah, yeah, that was a fucking monster splash. Um, but yeah, Chavo was really good in this match, and so was Cage, and uh, Cage wins. Yeah, and he says that he wants Matanza next week. It's official. Which is crazy. Here's the thing to me. Mm-hmm. If you're Cage, and like I thought Skynet had become self-aware last week. Like mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought he had gotten smarter than this. Like I don't know, man. You know... Skynet's supposed to be smart. Like, we're going to go back in time and kill John Connor and, and make this work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Cage, Matanza is fresh now. He had his big match. He's had time to recuperate. Mil Muertes is dead. Bro, calling him out right now? Like, wait till he crashes through a roof again. Like, that's yeah. that's the day you want to call him out. You don't want to call him out when he's had some oh, time on the beach, yeah. you know, or in the cage, whatever he does down there in the back of the bowels of Dario's office. Maybe he's got a nice little travel cage that he takes him to the beach, like, like a little playpen. I got to imagine Dario's got him healed up pretty good right now and in good shape to come back and be in top monster form. This is mm-hmm. not the time you want to call out Matanza. Cage doesn't know that he's got an Aztec god inside of him. So oh. let's be let's be fair. He doesn't know that he's pulled a knife out of himself and been fined to wrestle a battle royal the next week and win. Okay. So yeah. if you're Cage though, you wouldn't have done that. You're a big no. dude. No, mm-hmm. so it's already done. It's done. Mm-hmm. It's done. That ship has sailed. If I'm Cage, the first backstage vignette I want to see next week is Cage going in Dario's office, taking the key, ripping it right off his neck, and just breaking it mm-hmm. right there. Just break the key in half before Dario can even say anything, and then go fight Matanza and see what happens when Dario's not in control of Matanza. But then how's Dario going to get him out of his cage if he doesn't have the key? Yeah, that's Dario's problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> you know, I'm saying, like, Cage, be smart, brother. Be smart. This is a this is the match of your life coming up. This is the toughest match you'll ever be in against a bona fide, you know, world eater, killer monster. Imagine Hefe getting pissed and putting you in a cage match against Matanza, 
and then you just getting yeah. bailed. It, it's not good. I think either way, this is Pacific Rim too. This is two kaiju just like yeah. In this is this is a kaiju versus monster kind of thing here. This is it right here. This is Pacific Rim two. The machine versus the monster. It'll it'll be fun. And I, I'm totally not saying that because I've seen it or anything, but watch <laughs> next week's show. So I can talk about like, I don't know. Watch next week's show. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I like it. I like it. There you go. A nondescript, non-spoilery plug from, yeah. from the Lucha Gringo. I know I say that every fucking week, but I was at every fucking taping, so I can. Yeah, that's true. Godzilla <laughs> versus Mechagodzilla next week on Lucha Underground. Yeah. Um. As if there weren't enough cool promo segments in this episode. We got the squad goals vignette, and we were kind of alluding to that earlier of uh, Phoenix fucking laid out on the floor. Taya, what did you do? Was this like, did she wear poison lipstick? Did she put something in his drink? Did He got straight up Cosby'd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And then he gets kicked in the fucking face. Why, Why would you kick a Phoenix when he's down? Uh, Probably because you know he's going to try to rise again. And plus, it's funny. It is funny. You, know, you just, you just, because he can. And then you get to play air guitar over his corpse. Now, this is the introduction of the air guitar thing, isn't this it? Have is... we seen it before this? I've, I, we've seen it in the temple. I'm not going to lie. That's no spoiler. Like these guys, and you, they've posted some of their matches on the internet too, where they're yeah. air guitaring. But um, oh, I hope we hear the sound every time. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, they, they. I really hope that's a thing. And you know the, I think the real winner in this scenario is the Darewolf. Yeah, because people give a shit. Yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> that uh, look in his ring work has not been bad. I honestly have had no issues with him in Lucha Underground whatsoever. I was not thrilled uh, when he came in. I was kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, he all right. <laughs> and the the cruising for dudes at hotels gimmick was a little weird. The oh, his opening vignette yeah. with the motorcycle yeah. at the hotel sex a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little strange, but at the same time, like I've had no issues with with the Darewolf at all, and uh, he's winning right here. This is a big win for him because him and Jack, that dynamic is really good. Jack is so fucking brilliantly obnoxious, and then you've got Taya, who we know can wrestle her fucking ass off, and is really uh, helping in this whole heel manager kind of role with this valet role. And I thought she was going to be the third person. Yeah, she very easily could have. And that's kind of what I was thinking at the beginning of the segment, too, having not been at these tapings. Right, I was like, oh, Taya could be the third person. Speaking of be- be- being at the tapings, I don't know if you noticed the little reaction shot they put of me when she said that she had the, the perfect partner. And I, I tapped John on the shoulder and I go, me? And they fucking showed <laughs> it. it. It was great. You and you and J-Ray got a ton of airtime this week. You know why? They had a GoPro on the fucking railing next to me. So it was basically like the Casey cam right there. They should do that all the time. Yeah, they should. Uh, honestly, and I'm not even kidding. Look, Lucha people, uh, tech department, if you're listening to this, put a camera on Casey all the time. A, he won't look into the camera because he's completely oblivious. And B, his <laughs> reactions are fucking amazing. He does it when we're doing the podcast. He does this fucking... Oh, yeah. Home Alone Macaulay Culkin face <laughs> that is unbelievable when he is shocked or in awe of something. And he'll leave it there, too. That's the best thing. Mm-hmm. It's totally perfect for editing. 
And trust me, I know I work in TV. It's mm -hmm. perfect for editing because to leave it there just long enough. Yeah, because you never know when a camera's on you. But if they wanted to put one of those MTV Fear cameras on me and then on on Johnny when he's doing his like looking up at the sky praying stuff, that that's the dude with the long hair that they always cut to. Yeah. That's Johnny. He's a cool dude, and uh, they show him a lot. So if they put if they put like those MTV Fear GoPros on us, I, I think they could get some pretty cool shots. So who do you think? Out of everyone, Lucha Click, Bala Club, everyone who's at the temple on a regular basis, Mil Machetes, mm -hmm. who do you think has gotten the most camera time? Is it you? No, it's Victor still. It's Victor? Yeah, I think it is. Jim got a lot of camera time Jim this week. Jim has gotten quite a bit, which is amazing because he sits on the other side. He was yeah. sitting on the other side in this episode and got camera time. Actually, this episode, he was sitting next to Victor. He was oh, in the he stands. Was. He was in the yeah. stands. He actually got seats. because See, yeah. there, that's why, dude. Come, come to the dark side. Come over in the bleachers, man. It's it's like, I love the bleachers because I'm from Cleveland and it reminds me of the dog pound. Yeah. It's yeah. just raunchy. It's sweaty. You don't really have an assigned seat. You just kind of squish in there and yeah. you scream your fucking guts out. And you're in fear for your life the whole time. And that's Not me. Great. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I'm I, the one who's like got his arms up like, throw them on me. I'll catch them. Yeah. I'm nuts. It's all, it's all well and good until Matanza gets thrown at you. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> There's something about it. It's like it. It's because of the ECW breeding in me from yeah. 20 years ago that like I, I have no fear in a wrestling match. I, I am shit, dude. We missed a miedo. segment. No, no, we're getting to it. The Joey Ryan one. That's the next one. Oh, okay, okay. They did it before the match. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Or maybe it was flipped around. I don't know. But my notes, I have it after. Because I fucking love that segment. So anyway, yes, Taya. Um, Oh, God. She comes in and she says that you're going to love the big surprise. The way she said big surprise, I popped. <laughs> in more ways than one. Oh, Sorry, Jesus. I just had to throw that in. There's cheap, cheap heat. Cheap heat. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Johnny, Johnny Kulo comes yeah. in and he is going to be the third partner, which, again, is yeah. a lottery ticket for PJ Black. Um, and dude, I, I, there, I, I've gotten to the point where we don't even really talk about it anymore about how awesome Jack Evans is as a fucking heel. I just don't <laughs> I, like, I don't have any more superlatives left. There's nothing else that I can even say. Like Jack Evans is the quintessential perfect heel. He can work. He mm -hmm. puts guys over. He yeah. knows how to fucking sell. He knows how to shake up a crowd. There's never going to be a dead spot in any fucking match that he's in, even if he's injured on the sidelines with his jaw wired. <laughs> not that that happened. No, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it, well, it's not a secret. No, I know. But I'm just saying, he he's jaw, yeah. Jack Evans can do anything to make a crowd hate him. And oh. he's such a likable fucking wrestler as a heel, but he will still make you hate him. He is. Yeah. Honestly, to me, the perfect heel in the entire wrestling business right now. If you talk to him outside, totally nice dude, totally cool guy. In that temple, we will boo the shit out of him. Even though he's like one of our favorites, he's probably top five for all of us in the podcast here. Yeah, and he will make you though. I mean, like you, you can, you can cheer him when he comes out to the ring. That's fine. He ain't worried. He mm -hmm. will make you hate him. Mm -hmm. He will single your fucking ass out and say something to you, even if the camera's not on him. Yeah. And 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 honestly, Johnny Mundo is doing a great job of that too. 
he's getting like real yeah heel awareness and i think working in this smaller venue compared to the big wwe venues where he oh, yeah. can get more in the face of the crowd and where he can turn and yell shut the fuck up when the camera's on something else oh yeah, yeah. he does it he'll turn right to you he'll get a middle finger right in your fucking face like yeah Johnny Mundo is no joke as a heel. That dude has, he's got the magic. He will come out there and put it on you. Uh, he honestly, he reminds me a lot of, of Macho Man Savage when he was working like real heel shit oh. way back in the day. Yeah. Like where he would just get in the front row's face and not even care about where the cameras were or whatever. And he'd just say some raunchy shit to whoever's grandma was sitting oh. in the front row. See, the thing is though, like... Johnny Mundo, you don't feel like he's going to punch you. Randy Savage, you feel like he'll, he'll probably punch, punch yeah, you. Yeah, he might have. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I love it. And uh, he reminds me a little bit of Big Papa Pump, too. Some of those, like, big guys who worked real Good heel times. magic where even if you loved them, even if they were, like, the most over anti-hero heel in the world, they're still going to fucking heal you out and make you hate them. How in TNA, and this happened at Wrestle Reunion also, Fans were chanting, we love Scotty, to piss him off because he's such a heel that he hates, hates people cheering for him. He does. So they were cheering for him as a instead of booing as a heel tactic. It was fucking great. Yeah. And plus, uh, he almost killed a guy in the audience. Well, and I, awesome. honestly, I think Morrison, Mundo, whatever you want to call him, I think he's got some of that magic. Um, and it's amazing to me because for as long as he's been around now, I still feel like his star is is rising. Like yeah. this guy has got, like he's got legs left. He's not too beat up. His knees are holding up, unlike a lot of these guys. Yeah. Like, you know, and he does a lot of really athletic shit in the ring. I don't know if his, if you know, and he's big dude too. A lot of these guys don't hold their size well, but he does, and he's yeah. He seems like he's in a position to really stay on top of the game for a long, long time. And I'd say he's about six foot. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's actually six one, I think. Yeah. He's, he's not a short guy. And no. I mean, he, uh, like, I've been a fan of his since Tough Enough, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you can say that about a lot of the roster, actually, which is weird. It is strange that he he's one of the first to come off of a reality show and he's still around and, you know. Yeah. I mean, look and at And he who, didn't win. Everybody else who was on that, where are they now? Is that the one where fucking Maven won or is that the one where yeah. the girls won? I thought, I thought Maven was the first one, wasn't it? And Mundo was on that one, and I, thought, I don't even remember. Yeah. I have to go back and watch it, but I think so. Yeah, my timeline screwed up because I watched them all. I just can't remember who was on what season. Hey, I just loved it because they used the Alien Ant Farm song as their theme music back then, and I actually worked on that record. Oh shit! Yes, that's how old I am. I worked on the Alien Ant Farm cover of Michael Jackson's song. Anyway, Justin is actually Jim Johnson. <laughs> just so you um, know. So, okay, so then the next segment, we, we can get to this segment now, finally. Oh, I love this segment. The Snitches Get Stitches oh. vignette, as I like to call it. God damn, this was great. Um, so Cortez and Joey are ransacking the fucking Dario's <laughs> office. Like, that's a bold move. Like, and, and Joey says that he's getting desperate for some evidence on Dario to get Captain Hotness, Captain Vasquez, yes, I do know her name now, off his fucking back. <laughs> Dude, it's like, do you fucking ransack a guy's office that has a monster that lives in a fucking cage? Really? Well, in a fucking ninja garden of door most days. He even yeah. says his hot his hot 
bodyguard isn't there. Which oh I yeah, love he the did reference say, to, to Lotus that way. That's actually pretty funny. And him wanting to steal the fucking money was great. Well, yeah. So they don't find any evidence, but they find a wad of cash. And then being <laughs> being LA cops like they are, yep, they decide to go take the money and run. Yeah, Joey says it's time for a bonus. Except Mr. Cisco walks in. Oh. Now, here's my problem with this segment. And DJ actually liked my tweet about this. Uh. I, I tweeted out like, come on, y'all. Any real cop wouldn't have tried to arrest Mr. Cisco. They would have just cut him in on the deal. This is LA, people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, come on. They would have just been like, look. Look, we just found a bunch of money. Here's your cut. Take the bull, whatever you want. Just get out of here. You never saw anything. Nothing to see here. Move along. I would take the bull. And they're supposed to be kind of hanging with the wrong element anyways. That would have been the perfect way to sell it. But being dumb cops, they decide, Mm. oh, no, let's fucking arrest him. And fucking Cortez busts out the handcuffs. And Joey, the gun. See, a real cop would have shot him and then made it look like he had a gun in his hand. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, that didn't I happen. Think, I think, well, I think Cortez is the square, excuse me, is the square one. I think yeah. Joey probably would have done that. The question is, was I didn't notice if Joey was wearing his wrestling gear or not. Okay, I had this question too. Where did he keep the gun? Now, Joey posted a picture that I saw just today mm-hmm. that showed him with the gun and the jacket and the holster. But I think that was from an earlier segment. Huh. Because, and I watched this, I went back and watched it slow-mo. There's just an edit in there. There's a cutaway back to Mr. Cisco, and then it comes back to Joey with the gun, and it looks like he pulled it out of his wrestling shorts. It looks like he's in wrestling attire. See, that's amazing. I really hope that was the case. Uh, Maybe it wasn't. Maybe they just cut it to look that way, but I felt like it was super intentional because you're like, where did Joey get the fucking gun? Would have been funny if he pulled it out and like five lollipops just fucking I think he's always had a gun on him. Like, look, I know a lot of cops, and they don't go anywhere without their fucking piece. Like anywhere, they Marty's all have got a to do better with those pat downs or, or bro. a leg arm, something mm-hmm. going on. I think he's been keistering his fucking weapon this whole time. He's just got a derringer up his ass the whole I time. I think so. And dude, that was like no, that, no, that was like a S and W man. That was like a. <laughs> he pulls out the fucking dirty hairy magnum. Oh man! So Joey, you're a sick, sick fuck. And yes. This is crazy. This gimmick has been one of the longest running. Backstage vignette gimmicks on Lucha Underground, and uh, everyone's been kind of wondering where it's going to lead to. Like, what does this mean for Cisco? What does this mean for their their trio's team? What does this mean? He's for... not Mr. Cisco. He's Francisco Garza. Garza. Yeah, I yes. love that too. But like, what is? Where does this go from here? Like, are they outed now, or do they just do they do they have to disappear? No, because he's in jail, dude. So like they can they can put him in a hole for a long time. What I would do is I'd pin bail on his ass because he was there, and then you don't have to worry about Cisco anymore. This guy has bad luck for walking in on that segment. That's I mean, all I'm saying. Yeah. So, it, but then it it'll beg the question of, you know, Dario knows that there's cops in the temple. He was told that by by Renegade. Yeah. The councilman. Ooh, so, so they got to explain where the fuck Cisco, Cisco is. is. And if you start making excuses, does Dario start to get wise? I mean, you know, we've seen Dario doing shady stuff and tucking stuff up in the ceiling. And he seems to always be putting something in his drawer at the last second before people come in. It like, smells like trouble. Yeah. Like Dario, yeah. I think, is getting more paranoid. I think that's why they weren't able to find any evidence. Um, and where the fuck was he this week? We didn't see him once. Yeah. 
And mm. and and Lotus was gone too. It was like he's. I'm telling you, he's off rehab in Matanza. Dude's got to fucking lock his office. Is what he's got to do. Maybe, but I don't think he cares. I mean, dude, when he's not there, he let Katrina just fucking run the whole thing. He didn't give a shit. When he came back, he was like, that's fine. You did yeah. that, but now it's mine again. But he took the money with him that time. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Dario is just like, I got it like that. It's yeah. his temple. He's got so much money, he can just leave it in a fucking drawer. Well, and look, he's got to pay 50K at a time or whatever to whoever the big boss is, the limo guy. So... <sighs> What does he care if they steal it? It's not his money anyway if he's got to give up that kind of loot. Oh, that would be great. And I will once again say this. It's an underground fighting club. There needs to be some kind of gambling gimmick. Damn it. There's no reason to have underground fighting without underground gambling and betting. Is it all offshore? Is it on a computer? Like, how's Dario make his money? Where's his money coming from? He's not selling drugs. I mean, he's not... It's an underground fighting temple. There's a you, it should be gambling. Damn it! If DJ, if you're listening, EB Dub Roach, please hook me up with some underground gambling. Yeah, I want a board with like odds and stuff. Oh, that would be a so chalkboard great. somewhere. Like make fucking Vampiro and Striker announce them for every episode. These are the betting odds for the match. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's underground fighting, man. Kumite, let's do this. And he's like, I lost so much money, I had to sell a kidney, brother. Oh God, that would uh, be a great segment. Yes. Um. So yeah, that was just snitches get stitches, y'all. Oh, Don't fuck around. Fucking poor Cisco. And Cisco, oh. no, see Cisco, Cisco fucked up here too because he Cisco was the one really who said, up. "I'm gonna go tell Dario." Yes, yeah, that see, was a bitch ass move. If he would have said, "You know what, guys, it's cool. Just just throw me a stack of cash." Why the fuck are you going to tell Dario? Seriously. Yeah, like, come on, Cisco. I thought you had more street sense than that. This is Boyle Heights. Underground fighting, dog. Said, Take I'm going to tell. Yeah. I'm going to tell Hefe. That was a bitch move. Yeah, it was. Back to the ring. Now he's going to get fucked like one. But yeah, back to the ring. <laughs> oh, shit. Especially if Joey Ryan keeps pulling stuff out of his keister. Oof. Um, Melissa gets interrupted again. It has been... <laughs> I swear, it has been weeks since melissa has gotten through her shtick oh and she didn't even get through a whole episode this yeah time i know melissa has twice. occasionally made some mistakes but come on man that doesn't mean everybody and their mama has to grab the mic from the girl she got a job y'all let the let the lady do her job <laughs> you know the sound guy could be nice and just cut the mic and you know only turn it back on if melissa has it yeah now so this time though it was taya um saying telling that uh, phoenix wasn't going to be able to make it and pj and jack have a better partner Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it even, wasn't me. Even Vamp mentions how sexy she sounds right here because she's like, I've heard Ty cut some promos before too, but she had, I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard her cut promos with this amount of sexiness in her voice. You're a big fan of Ty, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Even Vamp said it. Well, he's Canadian. He has different standards than the rest of us. Well, she's Canadian too. So yeah, that's true. Canadian living and working in Mexico and coming to LA for Lucha Underground. <laughs> so that's kind of a weird trip, man. Yeah, yeah. like Taya is is a North American wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's what she should call herself. She should North from hailing from North America, <laughs> somewhere in North America. Yeah, she's she's getting around in the wrestling sense of of the word. Um, so. Yeah, we got Johnny Mundo in a trios match against the Dream Team. Yeah. Johnny uh, Mundo, PJ Black. What What is the name of this team? Does this team have a name? Not yet. It's going to get one? I don't know. Well, you probably know from being a team. You don't have to say it. You can say whether they get one or not. Because I'm calling Maybe. them Team Mean right now. But They might get a name. All right. Well, we'll see. They, the Hopefully, they'll get a name. But um, No, and honestly, I, I may have forgotten what it is. I think I one. did too, which is yeah. why I'm like, huh? 
anyway, I'm calling them Team Mean for right now. Um, calling them Team Air Guitar. And and here's where I think they have a one up on the 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 trios team, the champions, the dream team. They have Taya. They have a fourth person to be outside the ring to cause distractions to to really hold, mix things hold on, up. Hold on, hold on. As Hefe would say. Ray, Puma, and Dragon Azteca have all of us in the temple. They have 300 people. Uh, that is a good point, too. But we're not cheating on their behalf. I they would Because we know they wouldn't want us to, though. <laughs> no, I know. They, there's too much honor in Whereas Taya and Johnny and Jack and, and PJ don't have any fucking honor. No. And you know what? Sometimes that's what it takes to get shit done. Just saying. They do all have nice boots, though. The, the, this trios team, including Taya, probably has the best collection of wrestling boots in the entire business. <laughs> Just saying, I noticed. Justin Harvey, foot fetishes. Um, so I, I don't even know what to talk about in this match. There was so much fucking shit going on. So oh, much. Dude, hotness. these are like my favorite two trios to fight. Like I would watch these guys feud forever. It's just. The perfect matchup there. Yeah, and and I love Johnny being in this too because Ray teased us when he was out at Aztec Warfare and has been telling everyone publicly like he can't wait to feud with Johnny Mundo and work with Johnny Mundo. And here you go, people. Here's here's a, a nice taste of it. And um, the 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 first thing that caught my 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 eye about this whole match was the loudness of Dragon Dragon Azteca's chops on Jack Evans. They yeah. were gunshot loud. And that wasn't sweetening the audio. No, which that has shit happened, was but nuts. No, I remember that. And I'm like, Jack's getting fucked up, sir. And of course, when Jack gets fucked up, we point at him and we laugh. Yeah. And you saw the audience <laughs> do that some this week, which is great. Um, And I just, th- uh, there's so much awesome stuff too. And like the Jack versus Dragon Azteca thing, is this his new dragon to slay? Oof. Hey, Dragon Slayer. I mean, you can't just slay one dragon and I be guess. a dragon slayer. You can't just chop down one tree and be a fucking lumberjack, as Byron usually says for some reason. I don't know what he's referring to. <laughs> now, would this make Dragon Azteca and, and Drago from the same tribe? I don't We've know. We've never talked about that before. No, no, we haven't. I think that Dragon Azteca is definitely supposed to be the one from the tribe just because of the lineage right. that he has. But uh, I think a future episode, we really need to get into those coins. I really hope that they, they do that. And I, I saw some of the pictures. I think you sent me a picture of what the actual coins look like. Oh, it was Byron, actually. Oh, there's, Byron been a, there's been a picture circulating that clearly shows all the coins and what's on them. And I, I think we should talk about it the next time we have all three of us here. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Let's do that. Because I, I, I definitely have some ideas on what they should do there. And I don't think they'll ever listen to me. But I'm going to say those damn ideas one of these you days. You know why anyway. I think it's Dragon Azteca, not Drago? He's a Lucha Underground character. Drago right. is not. Right. So That's it was why. written ahead of time. Okay. I yeah. That makes sense. Um, we'll get into that some more next week. You guys got something to look forward to. Um, I also thought the 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 Mundo and Ray working together in this match was great. Like, Oh, yeah. Did these two work against each other in WWE some? No, but they. I think that they... I don't think they did. I think that they have been on indies a little bit because um, I know that Ray got to work uh, Ricochet a bit and he got to work PJ Black a bit, 
I think there might have been a Mundo in there somewhere weird, like in the Philippines or something. I was really surprised by how smooth those two were together. Mm -hmm. Like, they looked like they had had a long-standing thing. Dude, I loved um, PJ Black and Puma together, too. Yeah, surprisingly. Like, that was was good action. Like, when he did the, uh, the handstand leg scissor thing, and then... PJ shoved them off and super kicked them in the throat. That oh, was awesome. Um, I'll tell you what was not awesome. Oh, I think the I know amount of nut shots in this match. <laughs> like you don't expect to go to a match with Ray Dragon and uh, Puma and and have four nut shots oh. or five. Like I mean, it was just nut shot after nut shot. It was. I think it was four. I lost count. Okay, I'm gonna have to. Disagree. Okay, so wait. So Marty Elias takes the hard ring bump. Yeah. This is where this is when the nut shot fest starts. Yeah. And Marty took like Jesus, Marty, like wow. Yeah, he got fucking wiped out. That was a bump, dude. Yeah. Like, kudos, but you don't need to do that, man. You're a senior referee. Don't don't be taking those kind of bumps. Yeah. Make make Justin do that. <laughs> Somebody, shit, bro. good lord. <laughs> so, yeah, Marty takes this big bump, and then, um. Taya hits a fucking nut shot, right? Yeah. There's a nut shot outside the ring, and Taya and Johnny hit the super kick party on Ray. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dragon Azteca gets a couple nut shots. Yeah. And then there's yeah. nut shots in the ring. There's just nut shots going off everywhere. Dragon Azteca gets hit in the nuts a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I have to disagree with the number of nut shots because I think they're hilarious. And I'm most of this <laughs> is me disagreeing on Byron's behalf. Because Byron is a huge fan of people getting kicked in the dick. If you hear this someone must have been his yell, favorite match of all time, then oh, dude, if you hear someone at ringside yell, "Kick him in the dick," it's either me or Byron, and we do that a lot. And Byron, um, when we were kids, because I've known Byron since high school, right? So I've known Byron probably about twenty years. This is like really dating ourselves here, but um, we used to have this game called TNM, which was like a it was like a text based wrestling simulator. This is the nerdiest fucking thing we will ever talk <laughs> I love about. This. But um, Byron's character's finish was the vasectomy kick, <laughs> and he, his guy would kick you in the dick. And uh, his catchphrase was "Try having kids now." <laughs> and so I know he would be a huge fan of all the nut shots. And so I miss you, buddy. Have fun on the East Coast. I talked up the nut shots. You're welcome. That is probably the nicest thing that that Lucha Gringo has ever <laughs> said about the Turk. That's pretty amazing. Uh, he loves he loves people getting kicked um, in the nuts. So we move from nut shots to Puma kind of no selling the end of the world from from Mundo. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, damn, dude, because the end of the world looks like it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe it's not the most devastating finishing move in, out there, but. I mean, Morrison's putting some stank on it, and yeah. Puma's kind of like, eh, I'm not dead yet. See, yeah, Mundo's got to kill you with it, or he misses. But, I mean, it sets <laughs> it sets up the finish, too, with yeah. Taya distracts. Uh, Jack Evans sneaks in with the chair shot on Dragon Azteca. Johnny gets the pin. Homeboy um, gets hit in the nuts twice in this match, and a chair shot. Not a good day to be Dragon Azteca. Well, and, and they go over on Dragon Azteca, so mm-hmm. we have, ladies and gentlemen, new trios... Tag champions. For everyone who thought Johnny yeah. Mundo was not going to wear Lucha Gold, here it is, man. His first taste of Lucha Gold. And all of you were like, who's going to beat the stream team? Who's going to beat the stream team? Well, there's your that fucking answer. That was me. Justin. But you know what? You know what got it done? 
and why I'm not upset by this? Because it's an awesome team that they put it on? Because Taya was the deciding factor. I don't know. I, she didn't pin anybody, dude. No, but the fourth woman was what caused a distraction that allowed him to get the win. I don't know. Jack Evans says he's the baddest bitch in the temple, so he would have something to say about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I see that Taya helped them, and Taya doesn't even get to wear a belt out of this. No, but that's all right because I want her to go for the big belt anyway. I think she, she can hold the, the belts while they wrestle. I think she should be the first female world heavyweight lucha champion. I think Pimpy should be. Pimpy should. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one alone. Um, <laughs> and so we don't get a segment going out of this episode. That's it. We leave with mm-hmm. the belts. I kind of like that too. Um, I like lucha ending on vignettes a lot of times, but when you have a, a major <sighs> belt change like that, I like going out. With the heels, standing got, in the rings, holding the belt. I, dude, I loved it. The segment I want to see in Lucha Underground is Pimpy getting to use whatever bathroom Pimpy wants. Oh, my God. Talk about topical. See, then here's Fucking the problem with Lucha it, Underground, though. I know it's By the time they forever. film it, it couldn't be topical unless they <laughs> insert it into a show. Like, the election will probably be over by the time oh, it would air if they filmed it now. Oh, my God. But see, like... That would be Shit. hilarious, though. They could do it, though, because they're still taping next month. I think it would be hilarious. But the Lucha, Locker under, uh, Lucha Underground locker room is kind of co-ed anyway. I mean, you see everybody is in and out of there. I don't, I don't yeah. think these people are very shy. All I ever see is Drago going to the bathroom anyway. That guy must have the bladder the size of a peanut. Yeah. But he's a reptile, so we can't we can't make stereotypes. I think it's because he's got to sit on the cold rocks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess the question coming out of this is, um, is the Dream Team going to try to come back and get these belts back? Are they going to fall apart? Do they hate Dragon Azteca? Uh, like, like, do you think there's going to be any heat with these guys? I mean, they came there to represent their mentor and, and kind of, you know, bolster... The, the tradition and legacy that they have. And yeah, they can't be too mad, though, because they did get fucked out of the win. It's not like he lost because he sucks. It's He lost because he got fucked. Well, for Ray, this, I feel like this is more new for... Well, maybe Ray and Dragon Azteca. Like, Puma's been around. He knows how the temple goes. Mm-hmm. And, like, man, we should have fought a little harder, maybe a little dirtier, watched our backs. Like, he didn't have Conan there to watch his back this time. No. And that's the deciding factor. He's it's like, hey, Puma, shit. take a look around, man. You held the, the heavyweight, the championship belt for a long time. Uh-huh. You had Conan watching your back. You had somebody outside the ring who wasn't afraid to use unscrupulous methods to make sure you retained. Mm-hmm. Now... You're with your boys. You guys are all playing the babyface role. Like, Puma, take a lesson, man. Maybe you need to fucking heal it out a little bit, bro. Like, you can't... You guys held on to the belts for a week. Like, like uh, that's sad, bro. Come on. This is the temple. You got to guard your shit. Well, in their defense, I think it was longer in real life than it was on TV well, because whatever. of the time yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was a while, but I just but like... Yeah, it, all, that, all that counts is what happens on TV. So, it's a week. Like, look, you guys should... This is, I'm putting the dream team on notice. Call your boys, get some people with you. Like, they got the Taya factor. Taya's a tough, tough, tough chick. And they got that extra number that's on their side. And you guys saw how it played out. Mm-hmm. This is the fucking Lucha underground fighting right here. This isn't your daddy's wrestling. This isn't fucking Southern style NWA old school wrestling. This is oh. the fucking new shit. You're going to come to the temple. You better fucking have somebody get your back mm-hmm. if you got the fucking mm-hmm. gold. Because Especially when you're Rey Mysterio and Taya's bigger than you. And Dario don't give a fuck. 
Dario wants to see his violence. He doesn't give a fuck if Mundo yeah. and his cronies have the trios championship. He might fuck with them too. Yeah, but I mean, he's Mundo not going to get did. your back. He's not going to yeah. reverse the decision. He's not going to watch like some replay. Man. Mundo punched him in the eye. That I don't one think time. he likes Mundo either. But at yeah. the same time, if Mundo is the guy bringing the violence to the temple, yeah, like while well, Dario might give these guys a rematch, but he's certainly not going to reverse the decision. So no. And if these guys are going to cheat to win on you, you got to fucking guard your shit. That's all I got to say about it. The referee's decision is final in Lucha Underground, and uh, if you have any complaints, please take them up with Senior Referee Marty Elias. Thank you. So. um I don't even know. On my Lucha scale, it's so hard to even rate episodes anymore. There have been so many 9s, 10s, and 11s. Like, you know, very few of them have dipped below a 9 to me this season. So, I mean, I put this one at like a a 9.5. You know, this is another great episode. I love when you get, like, title matches and awesome vignettes. Two title matches. Yeah, honestly, like, last week was a little, like, kind of, you know, felt set-up-y to me. Right. This week, we actually got to see some really eventful But, shit. I mean, we've been talking about this, too. We were kind of waiting, like, forever. Like, any wrestling show, you know, you get four episodes that are lead-up episodes and then a big good one. Mm-hmm. Lucha Underground's the opposite. You, We got, like, seven yeah. astronomical through-the-roof episodes in a row. So, the yeah, last week being breath. a little... Yeah, it mm-hmm. was like they, they almost didn't have a choice to progress storylines. And I'm always amazed... Even in episodes like this with two title defenses that they're progressing storylines. I mean, the famous B Masquerita, uh, that first match was the one that didn't really have any bearing. But then you have a Joey Ryan segment later right. that plays out some great story. And plus... So they did it again. Like they Even, even the matches that don't matter, they carry yeah. into bigger things. If Joey didn't win that match, he might not have felt so cocky to raid the office. Right. So there you go. All right. Plus, he had a gun in his ass. That's Lucha Underground for this week. I want to talk a little bit about Raw um, before we get into the the split. I watched Raw this week, you know, and I don't. I didn't watch it live. I watched the Hulu version, which was that's, awesome because commercials didn't even show up on my Hulu. Dude, version Dude, that's week. the way to go if you guys don't do that because it's an hour and a half long. Yeah. Now, if I was live tweeting it and I was really like all about that product, I would uh, watch it live like I do Lucha, but I don't. So shit's I, too long, dude. But you know. With the return of Seth Rollins, I was like, all right, let me check this out. Let me see if they're finally fixing this top of the card situation. Um, I'm going to say no, they didn't. Because Seth comes out at the beginning of this fucking Raw and is clearly over. And WWE always does this. It's like after a return like this, they want to build, they want to reset the character back to where they were Mm. when they fucking left and then decide if they want to do a turn. They did Honestly, it. I would have just fucking turned him yeah. right now. They did it to a certain crybaby piece of shit that left a much better promotion to return to them and be in the opening match of pay-per-views and now not even be on shows because he was sad about being in the opening match and losing in said better promotion. Um, let's call him El Cabron uh, for short. And uh, you know how I feel about him. Uh, yeah. and uh, But hey, he's... Uh, He's dating a girl now that uh, is young enough to be his daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a little weird. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> maybe granddaughter. I don't know. Oh, um, creepy. Because she's really young, dude. That's kind of that's kind of creepy. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, he's in the same exact position, Seth Rollins. He's a natural face. Everyone wants to see him go against the authority. Just fucking pay it off and do it right away. 
Because what if Homeboy gets injured again trying to carry Roman Reigns? Well, and he starts, so he starts off the promo like that, but then he fucking heel turns on the crowd. Yeah. And they're working up to a face Reigns versus a heel Rollins, which I just, it's just stupid, man. It's the like, audience isn't going to do that. <laughs> I know. And, and it's like, it's like the WWE is fighting their audience, but don't get me wrong. I was still entertained by this segment. I thought Seth did a great job and he yeah. did manage to turn the crowd a little bit like... Here he is. He's fucking healing. So that's it. And like, AJ is, I don't, I don't know, is like AJ buried. I, I guess they got plans for him now. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But mm-hmm. um, quickly going through the reason why I think this episode worked is because it felt like a Lucha Underground plot line to me with Money in the Bank being up for grabs. And these were all just qualifiers for Money in the Bank. Yeah, that's um, always fun. It makes it seem more important. Yeah, it seemed like important. It actually felt right to me for the first time and it didn't seem like the whole episode had some continuity because you had so many matches mm-hmm. um sammy zane goes over sheamus fuck yeah sheamus fuck you, is sheamus. fucking buried yeah i hate sheamus though it's well okay. and he's buried <laughs> I, I feel bad for the guy it's like you know he was at the top you know a year year and a half ago this shows how out of touch and stupid wwe is yeah because He's going to be in the fucking Ninja Turtles movie. He's Bebop. No, wait. He's Rocksteady. Rocksteady, I'm sorry. He's Rocksteady. Because his hair would look better for Bebop. Let's let's be realistic. But he's Rocksteady. This is going to be a big movie, even though... Yeah, the first one wasn't even half bad, and I'm not a Michael Bay fan. As soon as Whoopi showed up, I turned the movie off. I she she had a bodyguard shove me once when I tried to get an Ooh. autograph. I was like ten years old, so Ooh. yeah, so fuck that lady. Well, and I'm I'm a real Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Like I have issues one through twelve original. It, you know, fuck yeah, and dude. they are oversized on newsprint, and I have them in the special graphite mylar bags. <laughs> Hell yeah, because they'll rot. They're like newspaper print. Those Dude, first three are on newspaper oversized. If you I'm ever a real read old them. school Eastman and Laird's yeah. TMNT fan, and I did not hate that last movie. So. Dude, I love those comics specifically to the point where I have one of the hardcovers for it. But like, if you want to read those and not fuck, fuck yours up, up, yeah, yeah, those hardcovers are great, and they have notes by Eastman and Laird, even though like you know both of them usually don't talk. Talk, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's that was my shit, and you know, my other shit was Transformers, and somehow Michael Bay has ended up controlling both of these universes now, which pisses me off because I'm not a Michael Bay fan, but I think I have the original run of 50 Transformers sitting right there that my cousin nice. Craig gave to my my boy, which is just amazing. So Fuck yeah, dude. Um, anyway, I got off on a tangent. Yes, you're right. Seamus should not be buried right now, okay. but guess what? He's buried. Sami Zayn... Uh, he might need to be the winner of Money in the Bank this year. I don't know. Anyway. That would be awesome, but then that he's not going to win the title with Money in the Bank, though. The, so. the match I loved um, was Miz and Cesaro. Cesaro worked this uppercut thing the whole match. Like, it was just consistent. And Cesaro, I'm really liking him right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost wish he wasn't in WWE, but he's like, they worked a match that actually told a story in WWE throughout the match yeah. of just the work and i cannot tell you the last time i saw that in wwe it's been a while so yeah. wwe fans listen to me this is the best you'll get from me i am giving big props to them for how they worked that match i thought that that was an excellent match for just a regular monday night raw dude it was and miz didn't fuck it up so props to the miz yeah there was no fuck ups there i like the whole angle everything about it was sweet and i love that uh 
Cesaro went over too. Yeah, uh, that's the nicest I'll ever say about the Miz is good job you didn't fuck up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jericho came out after his Aww. asylum match with Apollo Crews. I don't like what they're doing with either of these guys right now. Oof, Jericho Cruz went buried. over with his code breaker, blah, blah, blah. When was the last time the walls of Jericho stopped anybody? Like, why have a finisher if it doesn't ever finish anyone? Oh, see, yeah, I, I do like the code breaker. But they always do stupid shit. Like, I think they've had them do it through a table. Yeah. That, how does that make sense? You're putting your own back through a fucking table. The move's a knee to the head. You See, know? and it's weird to me, too. Like, in Lucha Underground, I don't mind when finishers don't work because Lucha itself doesn't put over the finishers as these end-all be-alls. Right. But WWE has always done this thing where, like, the finisher is the big thing. I mean, Hogan won yeah. with the leg drop for fucking however long. Mm. It's like they love their finishers, but yet now we're getting to this era where they're trying to put over the finishers. You have these announcers screaming, Walls Jericho, Walls Jericho. <laughs> and yet it has not finished anybody in like four years. No, and it's like, so why are you screaming and getting excited about the walls of Jericho when it never works? It's and, like, yeah. oh, hey, look, there's that move that the guy kicks him and he falls out of the ring half the fucking time. Either finishers are important and it's a big deal and you make a big deal out of it because they work and it's credible or they're not. Yeah. That's, that's just my feeling on it. That match, whatever. Um, Jericho goes over with Codebreaker. Eh. Now we get to the Charlotte promo. I don't know. Did you watch the Charlotte promo? I've, I've heard about it, and I... This is another bl- huge blown opportunity. I you're thought talking, it would just make me sad, honestly. It would. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about... This is the perfect moment for them. Like, okay, they dragged it through WrestleMania. They played this gimmick. They played this angle with the flare coming out thing or whatever. Charlotte, everything Charlotte says in this promo is straight fire. It's the good shit, especially the first half. She's talking about how you were never there for me, Dad. You were always on the fucking road. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're in here now trying to, you know, steal my light. You guys, so it was you a and shoot? your whole generation. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, it's everything that's perfect, whether she means it or not. It's like perfect shoot stuff. But then they use it to heal her out more. It's like, no, she should be the face. Flair is traditionally a heel. I know he's popular because he's a fucking legend, but at the same time, you want the women's division of WWE to mean something. This should have been a moment of female empowerment. This should have been Charlotte saying, you know what, Dad? I see what you're trying to teach me here. I see that that got you over, but you know what? Fuck you. Me and my homegirls came up through NXT. We got all the way here. Thanks for helping me out, but no thanks. You were never really there for me. Oh. If she had done that... It could have worked. If she had done that, she would be over as a face for the next four fucking years. They would oh, sell man. merch through the fucking roof. She could have totally gotten over. It would save the shitty promos that she's doing because she could go out and be happy and cheesy. She's not... She's working as a heel to a certain extent, and I get it. And they think that they can get more work out of her and that the money's in the chase for everyone else to knock her down as a heel. But, man, you want that belt to mean something? If Charlotte Flair had gone face right here and full-on face and healed the shit out of Ric Flair, and then you have Ric Flair still coming to the ring, Vince can still have what he wants, you still get Flair coming out and trying to interfere and fuck with Charlotte to teach her a lesson about why being a heel works and why he is a 16-time fucking champion. Just the whole thing pissed me off. Not because the in-ring promo was that bad. I actually thought Charlotte did okay with a lot of it. And she even, the crowd started wanting her. She figured out how to switch up her cadence and do something that is very hard for wrestlers to do. She Mm -hmm. broke the whole what chant. 
kudos to her. Mm -hmm. She is okay as a heel, guys. I know a lot of people hate it. She's not doing a terrible job as a heel. But this was the moment. This was the opportunity for WWE to do something big, to make that title mean something, to impress all wrestling fans. And and to do something for kids, too. I think that would have been empowering for younger female viewers that are kids to watch that. And they just they just blew it again. I can't fucking believe how bad they blew it with this promo. I can believe it because they blow shit constantly. Yeah. I want to know what J-Man has to think about this, say about this. I hope he goes off on it on three heels, one face, because I want to hear what he has to say about it, because I'm sure he's probably in the same boat with me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and who knows, their podcast might be up right now with him talking about it. If so, listen to it. Yeah, it's got to be coming soon. Um, so what, anyway, and then there's another qualifier match. Uh, Dean Ambrose goes over with Dirty Deeds, which was a no thing to me. So the other WWE news, Stardust, mm. work or shoot? I think it's shoot because he bitched too much in that long letter. So it's not a work anymore. It's not? No. I no. thought it was a work at first, but I guess I, we'll see where that kind of plays out. I, I don't know if the official verdict is out there yet or not. but He shit on the product too much for it to be a, a work, I think. so. Maybe. I don't know. But they are trying to get over this whole new era thing, too. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like, not, not that it wasn't necessarily a shoot, but I feel like Triple H especially is maybe opening his eyes and starting to want to take the credit for changing the product ever so slightly himself and letting people kind of shoot a little bit on the product so that when he makes these small little changes, he can mm-hmm. take the credit for being the savior of WWE. Man, it, it, if it's if it is a shoot though, I feel bad for Cody because uh, he's he's a he's a good dude. I met him once. He was really nice, and um, it's I like, think, I just feel like his perspective is just off to a certain extent because he's grown up in this business. Yeah, like, and he's, I feel bad for a lot of these second and third generation wrestlers. It's like their their perspective on what's important in life in general may be skewed because of how much time they've spent in and around the business. And, and for him, roads. his whole adult life has been wrestling. Whole adult life. Mm-hmm. I mean, never But I mean, so is Ray's, and he's still cool with everything. It's like, you know, he's been doing it since he was fucking 15, and he's fine. But he hasn't been in the WWE system that Well, that's time. true. And, and it was actually pretty good to him when he was. I mean, right. He came in a star, left a star. <laughs> Didn't have to deal with the the bullshit and the reworked gimmicks. In fact, he dealt with more of that in WCW. Yeah. Um, all right. SmackDown moving to this Live Tuesdays thing on USA. Some people were asking why and whatnot. Let me explain to you the nature of how television is working right now. Appointment television, things that you have to watch live and sporting events are getting bigger at dollars, even when they're not getting the numbers of scripted shows. Because the television business is really in this quandary of figuring out how to sell ads and get people to watch shows live. Like I just said, I watch Raw on Hulu. Right, and if I watch it, I DVR that shit and fast forward through all but the commercials. the majority of people do still watch it live because mm-hmm. you know what you want is you need these shows that are trending on Twitter and people are into the moment live. UFC has mm-hmm. got this huge contract from Fox because they're a live sporting event. NFL... I mean, networks lose money by having the NFL, but it helps them raise their overall ad dollars because the the fees for putting the NFL on TV are so high, but no one's going to go back and watch a football game later. You know you're going to get people to sit there and you know exactly who your target market is for selling advertisements. People don't forget Vince McMahon still has a boss. 
his boss is Cheetos and Pepsi and Mattel mm-hmm. and whoever is selling those products during those advertisements. Big so, time Mattel. The problem with SmackDown is it's become a missable show again. It's not something that is appointment TV. It's not something that you have to show up for and watch. By moving it back to live and and putting it on Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. you're getting that back and you're creating another event program. And the other, only other way to do that too, not running second rate matches and whatnot, is to split up your roster a little bit. So you have certain things that you know you're only going to get on SmackDown and you're only going to get on Raw. Now... I will say this. I'm kind of excited about it because if Mauro Ronaldo is going to stay on there, I will now have a reason to actually enjoy his commentary. Because like I, we said before, he's wrestling. one of the best yeah. in the business. Him and Stryker, I think, are the mm-hmm. two best right now. Um, no offense to Michael Cole, who's been doing it for a long time. I just feel like Cole's shtick is a little old at this point in time. Just like I feel Lawler's shtick is a little old and even JR's yeah. got old after a while. And like everyone... You know, you got to freshen it up every now and then. Stryker's great right now because he's coming with a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. Morrow has this wealth of knowledge about Japanese wrestling and MMA that he infuses into his commentary that I think is yeah. brilliant that you've never... You've gotten that before in wrestling, but not WWE and wrestling. he calls it like a shoot better than anyone in the company. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what you want because he's called a bunch of shoot stuff. Right. You know, he he's the guy that you call up on short notice to go and just do an MMA fight somewhere because he'll do some quick research, but he can walk right into it, just watch what's happening and know how to call the action. And he does that with WWE. I don't think he preps as heavily as other people. I am very skeptical about this brand split. <laughs> uh, or as a, you know, okay. Raw's three hours every week. Yeah, which is... And now they're going to make it that you have to watch five hours of shit in two days. And they're going to have to have compelling television for both of those. Well, but that's exactly their point, And that's what they need for mm-hmm. the purpose of selling ads. Mm-hmm. Their only other option, to me at this point, is to go smaller. And do away right. with either an hour of Raw or get rid of SmackDown altogether. Which or make financially, SmackDown an hour. financially is off the It's table. a backward step, and they're right. a public company now, and their shareholders are not going to like that. No, so that, that ad revenue talking, and the TV fees. Talking dollars and cents-wise, yeah. not storyline-wise, this is one of the smartest things WWE has done in a while to me. However, if you're a fan of the product, mm-hmm. it's going to mean a lot of things. I think it's good for AJ Styles. Yeah, because he's probably going to be the top guy on SmackDown. He's going to be the top guy somewhere. I think they have to push him harder, even with some other stars returning. Um, I think they'll have to push him. I think it's probably good. Actually, I think it's probably good for a lot of these guys. I think it's probably good for Rollins and Reigns and uh, hopefully for Sami Zayn, too, and KO. Like I feel like maybe they'll get something better out of this. But... Are we going to go back to having multiple belts again? Because don't forget, yeah. when the last time the brand split was really going like that, you had all the WCW belts had been turned into separate belts. Mm-hmm. So you had two sets of tag titles, two world championships. You still had the IC belt. You had the United States belt. Right, right. Like, are we going that route again? Because that was one of the things I kind of liked about WWE right now is that they had cleared out some of this stuff. Like, it was going to a point where you would watch a pay-per-view and you could see six or seven title defenses they had yeah the hardcore belts they had the women's divas belt they had two tag like it was crazy for a while there yeah and you would get the single brand pay-per-views where you would have guys getting pay-per-view matches and storylines that would never get shit in a regular situation right but see this is how i would do it because my my friend zach 
he watches like fucking everything, right? And he texted me. He's like, you hear about the brand split? And I'm like, no, I didn't because it was just a day I was very busy at work working a 12-hour day. I hadn't heard it yet. So I looked it up and then he's like, how do you think they're going to fill three hours of Raw if half their roster is on the other show? And the hey, way more promos, more yeah. 30 and 40 minute in-ring promos. I told yeah. them they're going to have to start recapping all the constant recaps is what they're going to do. <laughs> but this is the real thing that they could do and they won't fucking do it because they want Raw to be their flagship show and not SmackDown. Put all the younger guys on Raw so they can wrestle longer matches. But that's not going to happen. They're all going to be on the SmackDown No, because then that would make it NXT 2. Right, and that's the other thing is... Which is already kind of is right now, anyway. Right, so what's going to happen to NXT when they start needing to fill out these rosters? And then are we just going to get a bunch of schmoes Well, look, the ad revenue for NXT is not what SmackDown's ad revenue is. Um... NXT is going to suffer from this. Um, they probably are going to have to pull up more people. Yeah. Um, and then and we're gonna NXT is going to go back to being probably more of a super indie for a while. And they're going to have yeah. to rebuild down there a little bit. They're going to have to call up a lot of these Because I'm calling up Nakamura. I'm calling up Joe. I'm Bailey. calling up Finn. Calling up Bailey for sure. She already should have been called up. Finn should have already been called up. But this up. is probably what they were waiting for. Right? That's true. That's true. Like they're they're a corporation. I mean, they're planning months out in advance. So but who the don't... fuck calls up Apollo Cruz before Finn Balor? I mean, Apollo Cruz is great, but he's not ready. But that's <laughs> that's why you call him up because uh. you saw. I mean, the match with Jericho. You see what they're doing with him. He's just he's there. He's working. He'll get an angle at some point in time, but... If he keeps working Jericho, he's going to get better. That's for sure. Well, exactly. And, and I think they're going to have him just kind of make the make the circuit, and then they'll put him in a new angle, which right. will do something for him. I don't think that that's terrible. That's kind of old school wrestling business. And you don't want to call up everybody at the same time, because when you call up a guy like Finn, you want it to have a huge impact. And he's right. got to... When he comes up, it's got to happen overnight. And Apollo, they still got to do it the never needed turn. to happen overnight. Yeah, they still need to turn Finn, too. So... I mean, it's like, look, I feel like there's going to be some kind of bullet club angle coming to WWE yeah. and more so than what you're already getting with, with Gallows and Anderson and, and, you know, AJ. I think, you know, it's going to happen. It's almost sad. I almost think that they should just fucking shell out a ton of money to Japan and just buy the fucking gimmick. I think what they're going to do is AJ's going to need a buddy to go after Anderson and Gallows. So he brings Finn in. Finn turns on him. And then they're a trio. And I'm saying that because it's the most obvious hackneyed overused way to do it. Well, if they're so that's what they're gonna do. If they're smart, <laughs> they they send AJ over there with him pretty quickly too and and get yourself a, a new NWO kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. I think I honestly, as old and tired as it is, a big faction gimmick in WWE right now, especially with the brand split coming, where these guys could take over one of the shows, I think would be Smart. It would be tired and old, but look, NWO is a long way away, and as much as over as the whole Bullet Club thing is, let's be honest, a lot of regular day-to-day fans of WWE and, and younger ones, they have no clue about the Bullet Club gimmick. No. They don't know anything about the NWO other than a historical reference. It's, it's probably time. But you know who they do know about and who I think that whatever group takes over i think there's gonna be one it could still just be the fucking authority for all we know there's gonna be a group that takes charge of one of the shows and takes over 
And the only people that can fucking beat them because since the day they broke up, they've been planning on doing a reunion and right. they just never did it is going to be the fucking shield. And it's going to be the one time Roman Reigns is going to be fucking over. Over again. <laughs> yeah. But see, here's, uh, but see, the shield didn't work because it didn't feel like outsiders. The reason why NWO and Bullet Club both work, Bullet Club work because it's all the guy Jin. Yeah. You know, it's all the fucking Americans and they fucking healed him out perfectly and NWO works because it's all the fucking WWE guys coming into WCW just like, look, we're the fucking shit. We're taking over. That's why those gimmicks work. That They need that feeling. Like, it's the NXT guys. It's the guys that just came over from Japan. It's all these outsiders banding together against yeah. whatever WWE stands for. And they could catch serious heel heat. Or maybe even catch face heat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll I, I think that's the end game, though, is Seth Rollins begging for his friend's forgiveness. Well... That's my thoughts. We'll talk a little bit yeah. more about it when Byron gets back too, because he's uh, he's pretty in the know when it comes to WWE stuff. Yeah, I think I he got... watched the three hour version, right? Oh, good lord, I think so. I got some crazy amount of MMA stuff. I yeah, want let's to do it. Blow through because some of this stuff is amazing. First and foremost, talking MMA, I got to talk about Jason Mayhem Miller. You probably don't even know this one. There's this event in Italy. There's this company called Venator now. They had Venator FC3 this weekend. Jason Mayhem Miller is supposed to be fighting Luke Barnett for the 185 title in this organization. Jason Mayhem Miller shows up for the weigh-in, comes out with his trainer. His trainer's got a towel with him, so it's like, oh, he might be a little bit over. Mm -hmm. He's going to probably have to drop some trunks or whatever. This motherfucker weighs in 24 pounds over the limit. (laughs) 24 pounds. People, that means that he was over for the next weight class up. He weighed in at 209 for a fight at 185. And then then takes his shorts off like he's going to shed the weight. (laughs) He took his shorts off. It's freaking hilarious. Like, I I, I can't believe that he fucking... Like, in, if you know Mayhem, and I, I know, actually know Mayhem, and he's a slightly different person now. He's a little crap. It's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, he's he's got some issues, folks. We don't know if he's entirely all there anymore, but, you yeah, know. Being like, found naked in a church can do that to you. So, but Venator being this crazy promotion, they still give him a fight. Mm-hmm. They say if you can make 205, and then if tomorrow morning you don't blow up past 207, we'll give you a fight. So they shuffle around the card. They give Ooh. Luke Barnett a title fight against a different guy. Mm-hmm. Then the guy that Luke Barnett fought is now last time is now fighting Jason Mayhem Miller this time. Wow. Miller lost. Um, oh. Yeah. It, like, it didn't even matter. He wasn't totally ready. But then he says this is his big comeback. Like, a big being the emphasis, I mm-hmm. guess, because 24 pounds was just fucking hilariously ridiculous. That's like um, not even trying, man. And he says he was seven pounds off at one point and that, you know, the jet lag of flying over there and he left a bunch of water next to his bed and drank a bunch of liters of water. Like, I don't think you blow up that much. 24 pounds of water? You would be fucking dead. Yeah. You would dilute your bloodstream. Come on. So I don't know if if Mayhem is serious about being back in the business or not, but I mean, this is a guy who had a pretty big run. He was right in the mix in Strike Force for a while and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, always entertained by him. He had some big fights and, um, plus bully beatdown or actually was it? Yeah. Bully beatdown was awesome. Back when MTV was uh, still a network Yeah, and bully beatdown and he was a great host. I mean, he would study all his lines. 
he would come out there, he would bust people's balls, but he was also like this charismatic host that was always on the little guy's side and people loved him. Like it was a great look for him. And he would have been a dope like color commentator like Vampiro where you never know when he's going to say something and talk shit. No, he is a total, he's totally that kind of guy, but I think he's, he just went down a dark path. Whereas, you know, when Vamp started getting out of the game, he got himself involved in Krav Maga and you know Guardian Angels, Guardian Angels and, and like more positive stuff. Yeah, being a dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mayhem just did not do those things. Instead, he got involved with standoffs with SWAT and yeah. being arrested for breaking into a church and sleeping in there naked or weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I Jason, I don't know what's up, brother. Like you, you he got you, to fight Sakuraba though. Call a brother if you need a hand or whatever. <laughs> like. I'll help you cut weight next time. I'll sit in a sauna with you. What's up, bro? Like, come on. <laughs> Just hang out, play some video games and sweat. Oh, man. I don't know what was going on there. But the 24 pounds thing and then him like acting like he was going to get naked and shake the weight was just like, oh, blew my fucking mind. Those are some heavy shorts, man. Um, other stuff from that event. Evil cheater Husamar Palharis got knocked out in under a minute by this <laughs> awesome dude, Emil Meek. I think you're going to see Emil Meek in either Bellator or UFC soon. This kid is on the fucking up and up. And this is a big, big win for him. Knocked him out in the first round. And then the craziest part about it is Husamar Pahalas starts complaining afterwards. He said that there were some illegal <laughs> blows. And if you watch it, there's no illegal blows. And, you That's know, hilarious. like this is a dude who will hold on to a hold after the ref has had the bell rung for mm-hmm. like half a minute. Yeah. And like hurt motherfuckers with heel hooks and chokes, like holding on to him. And that's just like, it was so awesome to just see him kind of get his comeuppance in Knock this the fuck out. fucked up I Italian to... league. And he's like on the run, man. He, like he's yeah. got to fight in this league because he, no one else will have him. World Series of Fighting don't even want him. <laughs> Fucking nobody wants his ass. <laughs> I got to watch this fight. So oh. that one's on the internet too. Nice. You can just see who's smart, get his fucking ass clowned by Emil Meek. Name to watch, guys. Watch that guy. Um, Barnett won his fight. Um, Sokaju knocked out Matt Hamill, who, by the way, is the only person who has an official win over John Jones. Not Sokaju, Matt Hamill, but it was a total travesty. We won't even get into that. I didn't know Matt Hamill was still fighting. Yeah, I don't think he did either. Uh, (laughs) Sokaju knocked him out in 39 seconds or something. Uh, And Cody McKenzie from Ultimate Fighter fame got a McKenzie-teen on somebody. He's lost like five straight, but nice to see him back to his winning ways of schooling white belts. That McKenzie-teen <laughs> is a great move, but it doesn't work on people who know real jiu-jitsu. Oh, um, in UFC news, BJ Penn is out of UFC 199. Already. So he, he had a fight. He was talking back and forth all the smack with one guy, and then... That guy couldn't fight, and then he gets another fight, and it gets moved from March to now, and he's been in Albuquerque, not with his family, you know, with Greg Jackson in in that whole camp. That's John Jones' camp, and Cowboy Cerrone and John Dodson, like Holly Holm, huge fighters there, uh, uh, Overeem, everybody. There's a ton of fighters there. So BJ's in this camp now. Everyone's like, okay, well, if he's going to make a comeback, damn, that's the place to be. So everyone's yeah. been I, like, at first I was like, BJ coming back, fuck that. Then they announced this horrible Cole Miller fight where I was just like, oh, instead of Dennis Seaver, BJ gets Cole Miller. And I'm like, that's a terrible matchup. And for then, BJ. Yeah, for Not BJ. For Cole. Yeah, because Cole's <laughs> got long arms. He's a bit younger. It wasn't like Dennis Seaver where it was two guys who were kind of past it fighting each other. I hate. I said last week I hated that fight. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I don't have to hate it anymore because that fight doesn't exist. Cole Miller now gets Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres. And now that's a fight I want to see, though. That's going to be a good fight. But it's <laughs> funny because that original, no one who was originally booked on that 
fight is in the fight anymore. It was originally BJ Penn versus Dennis Seaver, and yeah. now that slot is Cole Miller versus Alex Caceres. It's like, okay, <sighs> this is so weird. But that's how it happens in the UFC these days, man. It's like one guy falls out, pull another guy in. One guy falls out, pull another guy in. Um, so, But the reason why I want to talk about BJ Penn <clears throat> voluntarily admitted that he used an IV over 50 milliliters mm. in out-of-competition uh, usage and under six hours and not for medical procedure. Apparently, this has been pending for a while because what you can do is if there's an issue, you can try to retroactively say that there was a medical reason for it. Um, USADA apparently probably did not find this to be a substantial medical reason. Usually we're talking surgeries and stuff here, people. Like if you go in to have an operation, they're not going to say you can't have 50 milliliters of fluid pumped through your body. Right, or if you're like dehydrated to where you're dying or something. Right. But this was probably just a regular flush, not not uncommon at all. And to BJ's point, he said he didn't really understand this was one of the new rules. Um, When last he fought in 2014, this was a completely accepted practice. Mm -hmm. He thought the IV ban, and I thought this as well, that the IV ban was just on rehydrating after weight cutting. Yeah, which is what I thought too. But it's a more thorough ban than that because they think that you can be flushing diuretics and other covering agents out of your system. Uh Um, So I don't believe that BJ was trying to cheat. Like I've met BJ, you've seen BJ. At no point in time has BJ ever really looked like he was on any kind of juice. <laughs> no, and we know BJ's a rules lawyer, so, so it's uh... yeah. Like he just doesn't strike me as like if BJ was going to cheat, I could see him vaselining up or something like that. <laughs> I can't see BJ cheating by popping pills. It's not his thing. Maybe by smoking a grip of weed. And if anything, he was trying to flush. It'd be that, but the the IV flush doesn't really work the same way for that. So. <laughs> Anyway, it's just a weird situation. I'm hoping that it's a very small uh, suspension, but he is officially suspended as soon as there's a perceived rules violation. They haven't completely ruled on it, I don't believe. But it sucks. So BJ's out of UFC 199, which is being held here in Los Angeles in a week and a half. Um, But we do get a good fight. Bisping is now in that fight as well because Weidman has fallen out of the title shot with oh, right. with uh, Luke Rockhold, and now Bisbing is in, and Bisbing is talking mad shit, and he's talking the right shit. He's like, yeah, fuck you, I'm on short notice. Of course I am. But he's like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm not the one that has anything to lose here. This is my shot. This is my chance. So I'm going to do everything I can to walk out with that fucking belt. I've been waiting for a long time, and, and we're talking 10 years almost to the day that Bisping's been in the UFC Fuck, and on man. the verge, coming in as an Ultimate Fighter winner. He's been on the verge of that title the whole fucking time. Yeah, he's he's probably my dad. Like He's one of his favorite fighters. He's great. My he's dad's great. a huge fan of his. And he's coming off of a win of from Anderson Silva. Right. You know, one of the greatest fa- fighters of all time, possibly the GOAT. You know, if John Jones mm-hmm. is, fucks up and get beat by Daniel Cormier, um, you will have an argument between John Jones and and uh, Anderson Silva as the right. greatest fighter of all time, very easily. If not, right. if, if Jones beats Cormier again, probably Jones. But yeah. still... Michael Bisping beat one of the greatest all-time fighters. Like we're talking out of like 500 guys you could pick. You mm-hmm. know, Anderson Silva's like one, two, or three. Bisping beat him. Yeah, and and it and was a good fight. Like a lot he's of people. He's a popular draw. He's a good draw. He's a good talker. He's got beef with Rockhold. Now, if you don't know the history, Rockhold does have a win over Bisping mm-hmm. leading into that fight. Bisping talked about 
them sparring and like some heat that happened between Rockhold and Bisping oh. in, in a sparring camp that they did together. And those two, and this is before the Conor McGregor stuff. This is even like, you know, the Chael era wasn't even completely big. Like when these guys fought last, the, the shit talking between them was at the levels that everyone's doing now. Mm-hmm. And it was off the radar. Like, nobody even saw some of the shit talking those guys did. They don't like each other. It's legit. There's legit beef there. Oh, it's a good fight, though, Bisping wants to get that win back, so I'm excited about that one. Yeah, and plus you got Rockhold, that that Angelico-looking motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. He's, uh, he's... He's my nemesis on the fucking video game, actually. Well, a lot of people hate him. Ever since he did that millionaire matchmaker thing, and he was just kind of sleazy and slimy. Um, I like Rockhold. I've always thought he was a great fighter. I had him picked to beat Weidman in that fight. Um, but we'll see. Like, I, I have to say, story-wise, story-wise, I want Bisping to win. Yeah, I do too. And also because Bisping's not the one that ended Casey the Cobra Nielsen's undefeated streak on um, the last uh, <laughs> UFC, undisputed UFC game. game. Yeah, the, the uh, EA UFC 2 or whatever the fuck they're calling it. Ooh. The latest game. Peanut butter toast is pretty good. That's for you, Urban. I thought I was going to go through this whole episode without eating something, didn't you? I would pass out if I didn't eat something. Yeah, if you guys heard some drinking, that was me drinking some Mountain Dew Pitch Black. It's delicious, and I love it, and I hope they sponsor this podcast. Hashtag vote Pitch Black. Thank you. <laughs> Not code red, huh? You go for the Pitch Black? Oh, dude. Okay, this hasn't been out for like 10 years, and it's back now. And I'm so happy, but the thing that sucks is... It's out, and Baja Blast is out, which is the one that's the Taco Bell exclusive flavor, but they're selling it in bottles, right? Oh, God. And they're doing this fucked up vote that only one of them gets to stay. Yeah. And so, if you're smart, if you want to be my friend, vote Pitch Black. Right on. You heard it here. Um, okay, so other MMA news I got to get through here. What we got? Chael Sonnen has this sweet new thing called Submission Underground. It's kind of like Metamoros. It's like a grappling tournament, but... Unlike Metamoris that can go to a draw, I think he's going to have actual winners. Um, in his first event, he's got a Jake Shields versus Benson Henderson. This is just grappling, not MMA, mm-hmm. so no no punches and kicks. Um, King Mo Lawal versus Vinny Magalhaes, which should be really interesting. Um, and Kenny Florian's on this card. Jens Pulver's also on the card. Michael Buffer is going to do the ring announcing. Wow. Chael's doing commentary with TJ DeSantis. And if you don't know TJ DeSantis, he's he's really good on commentary. Um, he's got this great event. So he's going out and doing press. But there's one thing that Chael's saying in his press right now is that he's not ruling out possibly coming back when his official drug suspension is up, I think, in July. But is he ruling out coming back to UFC or coming? No, back he's to... under UFC contract still, uh, so, so he would have fight. to be in the UFC. Oh wow! No, he he's already and he's already done events like this. He did the the UR fights thing. Oh yeah. Um, he you know he's done Metamoris. He's he, so he's done competitions, grappling competitions, and he's still in the gym and working out. So, um, there's some talk of maybe a GSP fight, and we all know that GSP does not want to come back for title fights. Chael Sonnen's a lot bigger than GSP, but maybe not now. Who knows what GSP's sitting at? But that could actually happen. Dude, how awesome would it be if we saw GSP and he was just like a fat piece of shit now? Oh, I don't think he is. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Chael, Chael, I'd be more surprised to not see Chael be a big fat piece of shit. But he's mm-hmm. been doing his podcast and whatever. So he's out and about promoting this stuff. So I don't know, man. If Interesting we see name it, for the promotion, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Submission Underground? Yeah. Interesting. Pretty cutting edge. Yeah. 
Maybe maybe this will turn into a submission underground lucha underground podcast. Maybe maybe <laughs> uh, maybe Hefe is the one calling the shots. There. Uh, maybe I bet there's some. Remember when I said Chael Sonnen was the guy in the uh, in the limo? So Just that, remember that. Yeah, that could be interesting. Because isn't it interesting that um, he's on Celebrity Apprentice mm. Mm, this season? Mm. Mm. Just saying. I would not mind if it was Chael. All right, so here's the rundown, guys. Conor McGregor meets with the UFC. Mm-hmm. That was he had his big meeting. They went to dinner and whatnot. Um, pretty much all the reports out of it were things went pretty good, and they were kind of back on the same. Page. Out here in LA, right? Yeah, out here in LA. They yeah. came out here because he's doing. It came out later. He's doing ESPN body issue or something. So yeah. he was out here for some stuff for that. I'll keep your clothes on. Con. So, um, and then the next day, apparently Nate Diaz said. Oh, you're going to meet with Connor and not going to meet with me? <laughs> it takes two for a fucking fight. Come up here and talk to me. So they drove, They went up to Stockton, flew up to Stockton, and took Nate out to dinner. Um, and apparently this didn't go as well. Because whatever Nate had said yes to for UFC 200, Nate was kind of like, uh, no, I think you guys wanted a little bit more now. I think I should be compensated more. Well, he hasn't ask, said exactly what the number he said was. but We got to ask Vinny where you take someone out to dinner in Stockton. They went someplace nice, apparently. Okay, it wasn't like... Nate has said that, you know, or market something, something or other. Okay. So we'll have to ask Vinny. If I it's picture a good them place. taking him to El Torito and sitting <laughs> yeah. around like some chips and salsa. No, Nate yeah. made a point of it. Like, no, motherfucker, we got nice spots out here too. So, <laughs> hey. And he just got a $500,000 upfront paycheck from that last fight, plus whatever bonus he's got. So Nate can afford to go to nice places now. Mm-hmm. So maybe Nate knows what some of those are. Anyway, um, so he goes and TMZ reports that the meeting went bad and that they stormed out. But then they were seen later. They still went out to the the mural that somebody had painted of Nate and everything. So it wasn't like totally harshed out. It's I think it was really mural, just, I bet. I think it was a business thing. It was Diaz being a Diaz. And he was just like, no, motherfucker, I want more. Yeah. And I think it's just that simple. Good for and him. Now they're going to have to find a way to to make a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, then, after that, Colin Coward goes on his show, and he's Fox-affiliated, by the way. He says he has credible information from multiple sources that McGregor Mayweather is being planned for September, I think, 17th, and that he himself has booked hotel rooms, he's so sure, that Mayweather and McGregor are fighting. Now, you've got UFC... Flying around, trying to work deals. Nate being a little stick in the mud with the money. Who knows if any of this is true. But mm-hmm. the Mayweather rumor, which is mostly being fed by Mayweather at this point in time. Right. He's the one maybe, talking about it. You know, maybe if they can't work it out with Nate, something does happen here. Honestly, I don't know what to believe other than the fact that in a lot of ways that fight makes so much money that it does make sense. But it's a lot of people to bring to the table. You're talking about bringing CBS Showtime and the UFC and Fox yeah, together yeah. with Mayweather promotions, UFC promotions, Conor McGregor. You know, like, it's a lot of moving parts, people. That, that's more than you have to have to get shit done in Lucha Underground. Yeah, heard, so. it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's not that it couldn't happen. It's just a lot of moving parts. Like, mm-hmm. I, I believe all of those parties are actually looking at it at this point. In time. I think if they all work together, the, there's no way they don't do it. If everyone wants to do it because there's so much fucking money on the table. Well, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's not going to do it just for the money. The UFC, mm. mm-hmm. because the UFC stands to lose the most from weakening its brand. Right. Cause Connor's going to get killed. Yeah. So 
the UFC has to be very careful here and how they get involved co-promotion wise. They need to get the rub a certain way and not just the paycheck. I think Mayweather thinks he can just buy out Connor from them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to be involved. They may want it to be their announcers, but maybe mm-hmm. it airs as a Showtime pay-per-view. They're going to want certain UFC considerations. Um, right. Fox is probably going to have to get some considerations. Maybe they get the replay or something. Um, maybe Showtime and Fox both get the replay. I don't know. You're talking about a lot of big moving parts, though. I mean, you're talking about whole networks um, that make a lot of money off this stuff. Right. And and the UFC does have to be concerned brand image-wise. They have to be concerned about Connor pulling certain stuff and other fighters trying to do stuff like that. Not that I think that they could. No. But it's already they're already seeing the Connor effect with just Nate Diaz alone. True. And in, in him asking for this money. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. Um Finally, the last thing I want to get into is Stipe Miocic. Yeah. Stipe Miocic. I said last week I did not think this very thing was going to happen. I'm a true Clevelander. I am a certain amount of pessimism when it comes to sports (laughs) involving my own hometown. But Stipe Miocic is set to defend the heavyweight UFC title of the world against Alistair Overeem in Cleveland. That's amazing. On September 10th. You know how hard it was for me to not lead with this, people, and take up five hours of your time. So did you buy your plane tickets yet? I, I'm I'm seriously looking into it. My boys, Charlie and Will, that came to Lucha with me a few yeah. weeks ago, we've been talking about it. Um, Charlie's even trying to go back if the Cavs make the finals, which looks like it probably will happen after that 40-point blowout of the Raptors the other night. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that game was in garbage time like four minutes into the game. It was incredible. Um, <laughs> And it also, you know, there's a UFC fight night this Sunday. This Sunday, people, not Saturday. Uh, Jessica I from Cleveland is fighting <clears throat> Sarah McMahon on that card. So hopefully she gets a win over Sarah and she'll mm-hmm. be on that Cleveland card too. Even if she's not, it might be a good thing for her because she'll probably get to fight anyway, even if she loses. Yeah, she'll get a match on that. I mean, so, how many other fighters from Cleveland do they have that I have think a it's name? Good. Those are the two biggest ones. Yeah. There's a few others out there. And there's some other Ohio fighters that might end up on that card as well. Um, last time they were in Ohio was like a long time ago, like UFC 97 or something in Columbus. I don't even know. It was a long time ago. Um, so, and, and and Jessica's losses recently were competitive against Misha, who she was beating at first. And of course, Misha did the same thing she does to everyone and came back and figured out how to take over the whole match. Yeah, I saw that match. It oh. was fucked up. Yeah. And Juliana Pena, too. Like, uh, Jess was doing really good, but then she got a point taken away for an illegal, uh, slightly illegal strike in the second round, and it kind of derailed her whole thing. I think I was in Las Vegas for that one and saw that on sportsbook screens, actually. So hopefully she can pull it out. Other fights on this weekend's card, Almeida versus Corey Garbrandt. Uh, somebody's O must go. They're both undefeated. So I, I'm picking Garbrandt. I don't know why. I just I just think Cody's going to get done. They're both vicious fighters. Hennen Barrow is going up to 145, which is amazing to me because the only guy he's lost to at 35 is TJ Dillashaw. And somehow TJ, of all people, has scared Hennen Barrow right out of the whole division. That's interesting. So Hennen's <laughs> fighting uh, Little Heathen Stevens at 145 pounds. Tariq Safadine versus Rick Horror's Story. Number 10 versus number 11. I love this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, St- Rick Story has so much power in his hands. I think that he might get a KO over Tariq. Tariq has never looked the way he did in Strike Force to me. So we'll see. How many people have, though, really? Like when you think about uh, it? Not many. Yeah. Um, I, McMahon, like I talked about. And yeah. then the headliner of Fight Pass is a fight I'm very much looking forward to, which is Aljamain Sterling 
versus uh, Mr. Misha Tate, Brian Caraway. Um, That's on the fucking fight pass. Yeah, because they're putting these it. big they're putting these big fights on fight pass yeah. now. They're trying to sell the service. And, I understand. And if something goes fast in the regular card, maybe you get uh, the you get something carried over. Right. So into the prelims or the the fox part of the card but we'll so see when story knocks his ass out maybe i'll get to see that fight without fight pass. yeah so we'll see but yeah we'll, we'll i'm hip to that like aljermaine sterling did this promo this week with eric b of eric b and rakim fame that just popped me like crazy dude it was nuts i love it and aljermaine he's another good talker he's he's i call him the black sage north cut like i want him to get a push like Sage Northcutt got because he's an exciting young fighter. They re-signed him. He could have gone over to Bellator or somewhere mm-hmm. else. They re-signed him. He's here to stay. I hope Al Jermaine is on his way to a title run. We'll see. And uh, I Let's like... hope he doesn't tap to a move that completely exposes him as a fraud, but... Well, you know, I don't know <laughs> if Sage is completely a fraud, but Sage did tap kind of quick. I ain't gonna lie. And like we said, Paige Van Zant came in number two on Dancing with the Stars, so she's the other up-and-coming superstar. She got... Uh, appropriately beaten by Rose Namajunas in her last fight, and she's been gone for a while. But now she's done with Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, Let's but she's trending on Twitter. That's why I had mentioned her before. Is like, yeah. holy shit! Like, just because of Dancing with the Stars, we'll see. She did better than Chris Jericho's ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Best best of fighters done on that show. And I don't. I mean, look, a lot of people who've come in second or third haven't really done a lot. But I think you know she's not going to leave fighting altogether. I think that it will be a good carry over for her i think now more casual fans and i love this when casual fans have a reason to watch mma because i believe that mma especially ufc right now is such an exciting product that when you get new eyeballs on the sport Mm -hmm. i think they're going to get into it i love ufc going to cleveland i think there's a lot of cleveland fans who have been sleeping on stipe who may in cleveland may not even know who stipe is but they're going to know now man he's going to come to the q arena sell that motherfucker out yeah i mean he's not as big as lebron james popularity wise but this will certainly help and, and it opens a up a arena. whole new market you know and cleveland fans are sports fans if you can get cleveland fans really invested in ufc i think not only do you see more revenue for ufc i think you will see a new breed of fighters coming out of cleveland in the next 15 years because of this one card coming there That's those right. kids need something to grasp onto just right. like Boxing, when it goes to the hood, you know, you, you have all these Latino fighters because boxing meant something to them. They saw mm-hmm. their idols and their hometown guys do really well in the sport, and then more of them go into the gym. Right, right. You know, it's it's the same thing, I think, with MMA, and I think Stipe could be that catalyst for a small, small little movement of MMA in Cleveland. Um, I'm sure that, you know, Strong Style Gym is going to have an increased enrollment and hopefully a Mm -hmm. few other places will open up. And my buddies that I know that are doing that kind of stuff back in Cleveland, kudos to you. Ride the wave, man. Now's the time. Show up at that event with your t-shirts, rep your shit hard. This Uh is your chance. So all eyes are going to be on Cleveland for one night. Um, and hopefully for one night, that's a win because the last two guys got to fight at home, being Cain Velasquez and Fabricio Verdum, who fought in their own homes, both yeah. lost their belts. So if Stipe loses in Cleveland, I'm going to fucking cry for a long, long time. Oh, man. Uh, uh, see, Cleveland's got a bunch of sports fans, despite the records of their teams, and now they have a winning champion here. Yes. So get out there and support In my favorite Stipe. sport. In my favorite sport. That's fucking cool. Guys man. don't even know. For me, like I, I'm the biggest mark. Me and Gary DeFranco are probably the two biggest MMA and Cleveland sports fans in existence. Gary worked on the Ultimate Fighter for a million years, and uh, 
Dude, I think the two of us like lost our damn minds when Stipe won. That's fucking cool. So, and you know, my boys Charlie and Will too, they're big MMA fans right from Cleveland. And Charlie works for NFL, so mm-hmm. he's just gotta be like, Wow. I don't know. Yeah, we, we brought those dudes to the temple. Uh, yeah. It was a good time. Their minds were blown. Their 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 new favorite is Johnny Mundo. Oh wow. They got to see some heel Johnny Mundo action. So all right, folks. Well, I'm out of time. I'm out of things to say. Actually, I'm never out of things to say, but you got anything else to say besides Byron sucks? Oh, Byron is a piece of shit. Yeah. That's all I have to say. All right, Ginger. We expect to see you back here soon. Yeah. We actually we actually have a few things we want to talk to Byron about. Yeah, Byron. hurry back, bitch. We got to talk about coins. Yeah, we're going to talk about coins with Byron next time we meet and a few other things. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the WWE mm-hmm. uh, roster split and what's going on there. I'm sure there'll be more information, but... Until next time, people, stay calm and stay in the mix. Bye.